3: Flame Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Swing,
4: Good Nasty on a Wednesday. It's a fast on 101 ESPN. Appreciate everybody joining us. We're live at the Missouri Athletic Club downtown, and it's for the College Basketball Writers Association Awards. And this, is, uh, this was a fun event a year ago. Jamie, I know that you weren't able to participate with
5: us. Yeah, it was a shame. I was uh, looking forward to it, but I'm glad we're here this year. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I hear Bill Walton's in the building. Maybe we'll I have, have an opportunity wait. to talk to him. I have so many questions. For I Bill. know you do. I, I think Bill do. and I are going to get along just fine. Yeah, you two would probably hit it off just, just fine there. You could uh, break out the basketballs here and get after it. Absolutely. Oh, kiddie,
4: give some pointers. You know, Jamie and I were, were shooting some hoops before the show, and Jamie was nailing them from downtown, Marsh. <laughs> he
6: was. Well, we are
5: on,
4: downtown. Yeah, he was. Da- but <laughs> this, oh, you mean in the, on, on the, the basketball, basketball court. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, I exactly. gotcha.
5: yeah. yeah. uh, yeah, got some game, Anthony. You certainly do. Never, yeah. Never doubted you for a second. Played a little high school basketball.
4: You know who else has some game? The Cardinals.
5: Oh, at now you're on night. board.
4: At least last night.
5: How can you even look at yourself in the mirror that way?
4: I never do. I just avoid it.
7: <laughs> uh, all right.
4: <laughs> Explains a lot. Is uh, Grant. Grant is back in our studios. Is Chris ready to go? Because we have to do our. Not beat yet. To streak. Not yet. Okay, so, we'll get him
6: here at, uh, right before 210, first pitch, of course. So he'll be ready, ready to go. Yeah,
4: so we need to do our beat the streak. Oh, yeah, that's right. Because Chris had CJ Krohn, who homered.
5: Mm-hmm. I have to take a look at the lineup here. I, I know there's some changes today. And then, Jamie, you had Jordan Walker. Well, I was holding my breath a little bit there. He took him a while. I think it was his third or fourth at bat. That was uh, the last two times he's done that to you. Yeah. And came through I, for me, though. I had Paul Goldschmidt, who came came
4: through real late. Chalk. Mm-hmm. And then you had, Marsh. Uh, I had uh, Diaz. Diaz. Yep, who also went Yabo. There you go. The lineup today, as Jack Flaherty takes on Jose Urina. Brennan Donovan leading off playing short. Alec Burleson is in left, hitting second. Paul Goldschmidt is hitting third, playing first. Nolan Arenado is your DH, and he is cleaning up right uh, at, at Coors Field. So, he, so Jamie like he
5: did last night. Jamie, yeah, he did.
4: Jamie, you had said yesterday, normally when Paul Goldschmidt gets the day off from the field and winds up being a DH, Eventually, Nolan Arenado is is Soon. a DH yep. too, and he, while he didn't DH last night, he's going to DH today. Wilson Contreras is your catcher; he's hitting fifth. Nolan Nolan Gorman, who hit a, a massive tater last night, that jumps on hit. a first man, jumps on a first pitch, launches one into right center, gives the Cardinals the lead at that point. And then, of course, they they tack on a couple of more. But Gorman's going to be your second baseman, hitting six. Tyler O'Neill is back in center field. He's hitting seventh. Jordan Walker continues his uh, hot rookie season, picks up another hit last night. He'll be in right field, hitting eighth. And Taylor Motter is your third baseman today, and he's at ninth.
5: That's a little bit of a head scratcher for me, Taylor Motter in there uh, ahead of someone like Juan Yepes. I, I wish he you... was, what, three for four yesterday? Yeah, with a bomb. Yeah. I wish well, You hit, you play. Remember those things? Yeah, apparently not for
4: certain guys. You got
5: Albert Pujols telling mm. people that you're the next best thing, and, right. and now you can't even find a spot. Taylor Motter, no disrespect to Taylor Motter. He's fine. He's fine. But Juan Yepes is proving to you that he can hit. Mm-hmm. Why would you? Like, I don't know how you'd reconstruct this. There'd have to be some pieces that you'd move around. Put, I would have put Gorman at third base. That's his natural position. Yeah, for one day, have Arnauto. I mean, I, I know you want to give him the day off,
4: but have just have Nolan Arnauto as your third baseman, and then you can have Juan Yepes be your DH. I mean, that'd be yeah. the easiest thing to do.
5: Yeah, I, I just don't um, I don't get it. I, that's the one I part know. I don't get, because you talk about promoting a certain brand of baseball as far as you hit your play, and that doesn't ring true with Juan Yepes. And he, he's not evil. He's not a gold glover, so it's not like he's going to be like. Well, I get in the lineup for my defense. No, no, I get in the lineup for my bat. My bat's doing really good right now. I'm still not in the lineup. Yeah, and Head Taylor, scratcher.
4: I feel like Taylor Motters getting a fair amount of action yeah. here in the early going for being yeah. somebody that he's just really there until
5: Paul DeYoung is yeah. is back. And he's not. He's not a young guy. No. I, I for, for a lot of time I thought, oh, Taylor Motters, a young kid. Maybe That's he's next. in Don. No, I mean, he's like been around 30 a years old. Yeah. He's played he's independent leagues all over the place. And I'm like, okay. So, so like what's the fascination
4: here? He'll have a grand slam now that we're dogging him. All right, is Chris ready to go? Mm-hmm. All right. So Chris, our listener for Beat the Streak is ready. He had uh he had uh CJ Crone last night, so he's back, so he's got one. I've got one. Marsh, you're up to four now?
6: Yes, I'm at four, Jamie's at five. And Jamie's at five, oh, so let's
4: let's play beat the streak.
2: We're good,
3: Hit baseballs. All of my successes depend on me. You're ready to hit. The hits just keep on coming. And his first big league hit is a up the
1: middle. Alright,
4: Jamie, lead us off.
5: Alright, so um I feel like I should be confident in, in Jordan Walker, but I also feel not to be negative, but at some point this bubble's gotta burst, right? No, hell no. I think it has to burst at some point. Uh, I'm going with the. Uh, it's right handed pitcher on the bump, correct?
4: Yes. Jose Urena.
5: Yeah. I'm going with uh, my guy, Nolan Gorman.
4: Okay. So Jamie's got Nolan Nolan Gorman. Storman
5: Gorman.
6: Marsh? Yeah. Jack Flaherty's on the mound today. And I don't oh, know how boy, many are going that oh boy. way. I don't know how many <laughs> hits he's going to give up in terms of. Uh, or, uh, you know, he doesn't compared give up many hits, walk. he's walking so people That's the point, so I think today <laughs> I have to, and I don't feel comfortable with taking a Rockies player today, so I'm going to go with the Cardinals what? today and I believe Nolan Arnato is going to keep it up, he's batting 333 right now DH, Nolan Arnauto is my guy well, there you have it. Nolan Arnauto going to go in a uh,
4: week-long slump now because of the Marsh. <laughs> he destroyed Brendan Donovan for about a week and a half or so. So, Marsh has moved his way to Nolan Arnato. All right, Chris, welcome back to the show. Who do you want for Beat the Streak today? You can't take Gorman. You can't take Arnato.
7: Yeah,
8: Gorman was my first pick. So, I guess I'll go with Jamie's Jordan Walker.
4: Oh, There you go. Work. So, Chris has got Jordan Walker. And I-, I might as well just stick with the chalk here. You know, so R.L. Chalk. <laughs> Back in the day, Would be pre- he'd, he'd appreciate this. I'm going to stick with Paul Goldschmidt. Might you as well. You guys, uh, you guys left me Goldie. I'll take Goldie. Chris, good luck to you. Hopefully, we get, we'll get a chance to talk to you again uh, tomorrow if they play. Did Carlos play tomorrow? Right. Or are they off? They do play tomorrow. They blue- okay, so, Chris, hopefully you get it tonight. they like 30 days in a row or something. All right. Good. good. All right. Thanks, Chris. Thank there you. you have it. There's beat the streak. So, again, Jamie has uh, Nolan Gorman today. Marsh, who's up to four now. Jamie with five. Marsh is up to four. He took Nolan Arenado. Our listener, Chris, collected his first hit last night. And he went with Jordan Walker after Jamie left him on the table. And I took Paul Goldschmidt. I've got one after Goldie singled last night to, to jumpstart
5: my streak.
6: By the way, uh, the home run derby from yesterday, I would have won if Tommy Edmund didn't go deep in the first inning.
5: Yeah, that was. Because uh, you had
6: Yippie. I had Yippie. he had oh, Yippie. Yeah. Wow. And I even said that he would hit a home run and not be in the lineup today. Oh.
5: Well, you
4: called it, but stupid ass Tommy Edmond had, had a home run. What the heck? And Card- then, he, and then yeah. he's
5: on the bench today. You know why? It's <laughs> because scheduled day off. I know, but the look always is. Terrible.
6: Jamie said that Tommy Edmond should be benched, and he heard that and was like, and "I need hit to hit a run. home run today," yeah. and he did. Yeah,
4: you're right welcome, in, Tommy. Right in Jamie's face, but Jamie was providing that motivation. For I was sure. trying to.
5: I was trying to keep that. with all he's doing here, I want to keep that going. Yeah. Calling guys out. Yeah, good call. Yeah, just call himself out for not calling that instant replay. Which, t- which one? Oh, that one. Andy should call himself up for a couple of these rosters. <laughs> a couple of the lineups. My God. Ollie.
4: Jack Flaherty again. He goes today as the Cardinals get ready to take on the Rockies. First pitch will be uh, in, in a couple of minutes here. Jack Flaherty struggled with his command last week against the Brewers. Issued six free passes over five innings of two-run baseball. He issued a career-high seven walks over five hit hitless innings in his debut. If I set the the over under for walks at four and a half. You guys are going to take the over or the under for Jack Flaherty? I'm going to say oh. four and a half.
5: Oh, I'm going over. This is, uh, this is in Colorado. The ball doesn't spin the way it's supposed to. Well, maybe he'll hit the strike zone for that matter. <laughs> you stop. Not
6: going to happen. <laughs> Jamie's going to go over.
5: I the four think we have five strikeouts. walks. I
6: think, it's, I, I think it's right around five. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was the whole reason why I didn't pick a, a player to get a hit. I don't think he's going to give up too many hits, but I think he will put runners on. All right. I'm going to take the under. This is Jack Flaherty's best start this, uh, this season.
5: And based upon what?
6: That he
4: only walks four guys. No, but what?
5: what <laughs> well, okay. Touche. I mean, what in your mind is the reason? Like, why will this be his best start?
4: Oh, I, I don't believe it. I just say things sometimes.
5: Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. You're right. You do.
4: No, I think he's going to go five innings. I think he's going to walk four or five. He's going to go a whole five?
5: Yeah. I think Ooh. he's going to go five.
4: I think, this is, I think the offense uh, absolutely explodes today. I think the card here's, and I do believe this one because Jose Arena it's is terrible. <laughs> I think the Cardinals score 10 or more runs total today, not necessarily against Arena, but I think yeah, they score, right. I think they get in the double digits 10 or more. Well, I hope so. They might need it. I don't like your attitude. <laughs> it's fast lane on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Can Flaherty find the strike zone today? Yeah. We'll get into him next on 101 ESPN.
3: Lane podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
4: Up a good point on our air comfort service text line that I had said last week that Miles Michaelis wouldn't have a nine ERA all season long. And as they pointed out, uh, I was right, he's got uh, over a 10 now, clear over a 10. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and somebody also texted it in saying that, that it makes no sense that Jordan Walker's in the ninth spot in the batting lineup. And that's true, it doesn't make any sense, he's in the eighth
7: spot.
5: So. Yeah, I, I did text uh, that texture back, and um, they recognized it and said, uh, Oh, ha. You are right. My bad. Either way, that's too low. I don't disagree with that. But, again, we go back to the whole discussion of if it ain't broke, why fix it? Right. Let this kid just get you. It, he's eight games into his major league career right now. No, it's more than oh, that. No, it. Yeah, He's had His no, 11th, 11th, 11th game. consecutive. This 12th, 12th game. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony, I'm going to get there, okay? Get um, <laughs> and that is my final answer. Sure. Okay, we yeah. got there. Let him just continue to be productive and just be more confident. I mean, every at-bat, every ballpark, every pitcher, all of this is brand new to him. Yeah. Let's let him get settled in. That, that would be my personal opinion. On I'm this. fine
4: with it. What we're not fine with is Jack Flaherty walking the house again. So what, what's your expectations today, guys?
5: God, I don't know what to expect, to
4: be honest. It's only Coors Field.
5: Like, I honestly have no idea what to expect. Based upon the way he's pitched so far... Like, none of it makes any sense. He's got the John Gant, like, recipe going here, which we know how that ended up. Not not great.
4: No. I, you know, it's, this is, I realize that the starting pitching isn't good enough. We've talked about it. I realize that the Cardinals are going to have to make.
5: Anthony, you need to talk about the starting
4: pitching. (laughs) Wholesale changes at the top of the rotation, unlike what. The conversation that we had yesterday, Jamie, where people still wanted, I, I guess, deal from the middle of the deck.
5: Yeah, Jose Quintana, Let's go get him
4: or add to the middle of the roster. But with Jack Flaherty and Miles, my, I, I mean, Miles Michaelis has been a disaster in three starts, and I do expect that he'll eventually he'll iron out the the issues. Really, the la- since since signing with the Cardinals, the problem has been the injuries with Miles Michaelis. It has not been the performance. When he's been healthy, he's pitched well. So this is the first time where, again, since he was signed and since he had like just an awful spring training or, or th- like three or four starts in spring training, that he has not pitched well since becoming a Cardinal. Again, durability is one thing, but he has pitched well. So I I don't know what the issue right now is for Michaelis. I looked at like the velocity and things like that seemed seemed to be fine, seemed to be normal. So I think he's just. He's just dealing with mm. uh, a rough stretch here. You, yeah, good
5: start. Do you guys feel like Ollie? Jerickson Pro for a leadoff home run, by the way. Oh boy. Um, do you guys feel like Ollie left Michaelson too long last night? Like, I did. I expect, couldn't believe that he didn't even have anybody up in the pen, and it was like two batters before the ultimate disaster happened. Yeah. I was like, go get him. I think I sent you guys a text.
4: You did, and I, I I'll, I'll often DVR the game and then watch it when. Uh, oh, sorry, Anthony. No, no, no. That's fine. I did. I, I, I ruined things for you. My <laughs> bad. You <laughs> didn't ruin anything,
5: Jamie. I get emotional. You. I watch it in real time, and I get angry. You make my life it makes better, a Jamie. difference. You Thank make,
4: you. You make my life better. Uh, but I, I assuming what you're talking about is the is the moment where he it, the wheels started to come come yeah, off the where
5: all the bolts were falling off and the wheels were shaking and all he's like I think he's fine. <laughs>
7: <laughs>
4: it's tough to be a manager in that spot. How? No, it isn't.
5: Well, how would you, how would you
4: do him. it? you gotta, you got a vet, veteran guy. I'm going to be honest.
5: He's already in the fifth inning. Go get him. Done. Done. I call a timeout. I tell Dusty, hey, Dusty, go give him the claw like old Mad Dog used to do. I'm going to get Buddy up in the pen here. Yeah. We're going to move this thing along here in a hurry because uh, I see the wheels falling off all over the place mm-hmm. yet. They haven't fallen off yet, but I know where this is headed.
4: I don't disagree with oh, you. Oh, I'm a
5: veteran guy. Guess what? Too bad. I don't care.
4: I don't disagree with you, Jamie, at all. He looked finished at that point. Are you worried at all about, the, about eating some innings, though? Because Why? This, is, this is a conversation. What well. did he
5: last? Another batter?
4: I, again, I don't disagree with you.
5: No, I'm but just talking you, about it. I'm not, are, like, arguing. Are you
4: concerned at all about, because that, that's the other side of the coin, are you concerned about the, the ability for these guys to not eat any innings and you're going to fry out your bullpen?
5: I think you're stuck with that anyways. Yeah. I mean, who the hell is eating innings on this staff? Montgomery uh, went 6 and we, and we celebrated, start. Anthony. We celebrated like it's oh, Bob he Gibson. He went 7. Come on. He go 7? Did he go 7? I don't think he did. I think I think he, he, went went seven. he
6: went 6. He went longer than everyone else. We'll just leave it at that. He did. Yeah, but that's
5: but, not saying that. So what what are we really talking about here
4: then? We're talking about disastrous pitching staff.
5: I know, but w- your question was are you worried about innings? Well, yes, I am, but you're worried about everything. Uh, how about uh, the, not at the expense of losing?
6: Yeah, no, fair enough. I have a question seven. for for you guys. It seems like right. short
4: short you, you short chain changed uh, Monty? my guy. I like Monty.
6: It seems like the defense has been not like Sus? It's been a little sketchy, especially here in Colorado. Uh, looking at the lineups, are you surprised that they've gone with some of these lineups like today, like Nolan Arenado not being
7: yeah, in
6: the field, like at a at a ballpark where Especially last year, we saw soft contact can lead to a ton of runs, especially for this Rockies team who play really well in their own ballpark, even though they're not the best team in the league. Marsh, I I don't get it.
4: I mean, go back, go back a couple of days ago. I think uh, Alec Burleson needs to be in this lineup. Mm -hmm. He's been he's been fantastic. I wouldn't have him playing left field. I know there's a domino. I
5: wouldn't give him a glove, to be honest.
4: There's a domino effect here with. (laughs) <laughs> like what you can, what you can do, but that—that's a big. I said it. I said it on Monday. This is a bigger outfield to have. You know, Jordan Walker, as of right now, isn't isn't getting to a lot of balls either. I mean, this is somebody that needs to. Be, he's learning. It's, he's learning, little it's a little bit tough on the eyeballs yeah, watching some but, of it, but I'm willing to deal with that. But right now, I mean, de- defense is supposed to be one of the hallmarks of this team, and you've got two corner outfielders that can't cover a lot of ground and a center fielder who for all intents and purposes, uh, when he's in the lineup, is trying to make sure he's not getting hurt. Yeah. So not great. So to your question, yeah, no, I don't know why you wouldn't have Nolan Nolan Aronado mm-hmm. at third base unless, again, Ollie, you had mentioned this before, Jamie, Ollie, it's like, oh, it's a scheduled day off.
5: I yeah, would come you schedule on? it? That, like, he was just I mean, the a DH the other day, though. It's yeah.
4: April 12th, too. I mean, what are we, what yeah. are we doing?
5: Now, in, in fairness to Ollie, okay, a little bit here, because I, I'm, I'm – I am questioning some of his decisions, but in fairness to Ollie, last year a lot of people, um, including us to a certain point, felt like Goldie and Arenado were burned out down the stretch.
7: Mm-hmm.
5: That they they should have had had more days off. Maybe this was part of the plan in the off season. Maybe they said, "Hey, you know what? We're going to schedule days off, and no matter what, those are scheduled days off. Sure. I don't care." How many times you come into my office, Arnauto, and tell me you're wanting to play? And how many times, Goldie, you're just telling me, no, I want to play? No, it, this is what we're doing. It still doesn't make any sense, though, to me. Yeah, It doesn't make sense.
4: And it is tough. I mean, do you do you give guys days off when you're struggling like the Cardinals are right now coming out of the gates? Do you give them when you're red hot? Because then the argument is, well, you're hot. you got to pile up wins. So... I, I this is part of the fine balance of ha- of being a manager. Yeah. But again, it's April twelfth. I, I don't.
5: I don't I get don't why you. The why these guys would be? And you just had a big, massive comeback win. Yeah,
6: let's roll. Let's you have roll an opportunity to
5: win the series. Uh, for me, it would be on lockdown. I'd have Brendan Donovan right back out in left field. Can you imagine if Burleson was out there last night? That one catch that Donnie made. You, you, you lose. Burleson. No offense to Alec Burleson, but yeah. he wouldn't have got there. No, he wouldn't. I don't. So think,
4: I don't think you're look you're, you're spitting truth here
5: yeah and, and so i would have donnie back uh, left field gorman at second base yeah he booted one the one game and then the, the little pickoff play was mm-hmm. you know whatever but apart from that like he's really not poor defensively he's still giving you solid defense at second base mm-hmm. I, I just i would lock it down for me as a manager i want my players to believe that when we we're, we're we're struggling right now we have a chance to win a series we're gonna win the series right and we're going for it
6: and i wonder if it's one of those things where the team seems to be struggling a little bit because there's so much fluctuation in the lineup that these guys have no idea what their role is.
4: I think it's a fair question, Marsh. You know who, bl- who I would blame for that? This actually would go on John Mozeliak Because for as long as I've been here and have understood kind of the roster that Mo wants to build, Mo for the last five, six, six, seven years almost, has want has wanted flexibility with his lineup.
5: Oh, he talks about it all the time. He does. He
4: wants flexibility with his lineup. So, when you're saying that, Marsh, I I agree with you. I, I you know, we're we're from like the '90s style of baseball where it's like, hey, we're gonna run this same damn yeah. lineup out for 162. You know, like I, I'm I'm exaggerating, but not by much. No, uh, Cal Ripken mostly played the 90s when he had his Iron Man streak. I mean, that was the the thought process. You're going to play Mm -hmm. 162. Or 160. Or 160 if you're Tyler O'Neill. Give yourself two days off. Oh, 159. (laughs) 159. But (laughs) in today's game, there is a lot of that roster flexibility among other teams. And Mo, right, wrong, or indifferent, wants that style. So if you're Ollie and you're looking at it, you've got a lot of moving pieces. That's the way he set yeah, up the roster. Yeah, but you've roster. got
5: a lot of guys who fit a certain role. To me, you can't move the guys all over the diamond. That's when I look at this team. I feel like there's a square peg round hole a little bit with some of these things as far as the flexibility within the roster. Yeah. You really only have two true utility players, in my opinion. That's Donovan and Edmund. Mm-hmm. Those guys can play anywhere on the field, and you're going to feel like you're okay. Yeah. I think it's like what,
6: and no offense to Taylor Motter, Why are we not giving at bats to Dylan Carlson? Why can't he be well, the he's DH? Hurt.
4: He's so he's hurt, but I think your your you same saying, argument though?
6: your argument applies. I think
4: for to Juan Yepes, Yepes. yeah, yeah
5: I, I don't that I don't that understand. He is the biggest head scratch I don't, right now. Yepes still a young guy too.
4: Juan Yepes went into spring training with an opportunity to win win a roster yeah. spot. Taylor Motter, again, no offense to, to I feel like we're bagging on the Mott man here. Well, that's his fault. I feel, I feel like we're bagging on Apple Sauce. His today. own fault, but. When <laughs> it is his own fault, I just got that. It is his own fault. Um, you don't ghost the
5: fast lane and get away with it?
4: He goes through the fast lane one time, and you know what? He's got he's to pay the
5: price now. He reaches out to me and then ghosts him. <laughs> What the hell's wrong with you? Follow, follow Jamie on yeah. Twitter and he's then ghost him. Then. Yeah. Well, I want to come on. It'd be awesome. You're right. So, uh this is what happens. He did right. this to
7: you.
4: <laughs> but he made the he made the roster because uh, Paul Paul the Young was hurt and he you know and I'm not I'm not saying Paul the Young is like your savior. I can't wait did. for
5: Paul the Young to be healthy. <laughs>
4: right. I don't care about that <laughs> aspect of it. But Paul Paul the Young and Mater they're, those they're
5: one and the same in
4: that they're they're bench players. They're yeah, back. I don't get it. I they're don't break get it. in
5: case of emergency. I would find somewhere for Yippee. Even I feel though like the
6: guy started like he's eight, he's
4: played eight it, games.
5: Yeah, he's been playing a ton. <laughs> and he plays. He gets. He's. Into pinch hit for guys, it's like, yeah. I don't know what's going on. I here. don't either. It's a fast line on 101 ESP, and we have what's trending coming up next.
7: The smartest way to do your homework is Hackman Lumber.
1: Warm weather means homework for homeowners. If your homework means a new deck, turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. St. Peter's is your go-to place for a huge selection of quality bedding plants, perennials, and hanging baskets. They also carry topsoil and potting mix for your gardening needs. Come visit all Hackman Lumber Showrooms in St. Charles Pacific and Troy, Missouri, or online at hackmanstl.com.
0: lane podcast presented by Dobbs tire
3: and auto centers on 101 espn what's trending in the world of sports the fast lane has you covered what's trending now
7: brought to you by goodwill donate to goodwill and get a
3: half-price cardinal's ticket voucher
4: It's a fast line on 101 ESPN with Jamie Rivers and Andrew Marsham, and Anthony Stalzer. Tyler O'Neill has tied the game at Coors Field. He had a home run, dead
5: center. So the How fast did he run around the bases? He better have booked it. He I'll usually trots anyways. He usually has a pretty good pace to his home run. You don't want to get hurt, Jamie. Uh, he's got a
4: 159 to play. He's got thing exactly. After today, 158, that's for sure. So, Jerickson <laughs> Profar let off the game. With uh, let off the the the, the uh, Rockies half of the bottom uh, bottom of the first inning with a home run, and again Tyler O'Neill just hit a home run, 461 feet. Good dead zone. So we're all tied up at
6: Coors Field heading into the bottom of the second. We did get a text message from the 636. How long are we going to let O'Neill be out there going over every game? Three minutes later, never mind. O'Neill just hit a bomb. <laughs> <laughs>
5: uh, yeah. We did, and then uh, also I, I wanted to address this text. I did write back to this person, but uh, from the six one eight said, "Jamie, why are you hating talking about Taylor Motter? If someone let you play in the NHL at thirty years old, you would love that opportunity to see what's left of the tank, instead of having to go play in Russia." I, I'm I'm not hating on Taylor Motter at all. I'm happy for the guy. Um, yes, if I at, at thirty four or thirty five when my last year came around, if I could have played in the NHL in a limited role, I would love that idea, mm-hmm. but not at the expense of younger, better players playing. it. So, right. You know, both things can be true. One, I can be happy for Taylor Motter to be in the majors, but at the same time, I can also question him in the lineup over someone who might be better than him.
4: Yeah, I mean, if, if, Jamie, if Jamie was in the lineup tonight for the Blues and the, the playoff game was on the line and it was at the expense of Justin Falk, we'd be asking why yeah.
5: there are some other guys maybe but not no, I'm
7: <laughs> just kidding <laughs> just, no now granted uh, the, they're not going for
4: a, you know Cardinals
6: aren't
7: going to no.
4: playoff spot but no I, I think you're right Jamie you both can be true all right Marsh you got uh, what's trending for us yeah
6: absolutely uh, Jim Thomas who covers the Blues for the Post-Dispatch uh, and he has been for quite some time he tweeted out yesterday uh, as many uh, as as many of you know I'm calling it a career shortly after this hockey season 48 years all at the post dispatch have gone by quick it has rarely felt like work extremely thankful for all the great people I've met along the way so congratulations to Jim Thomas on a great career
5: yeah JT look this guy um, it's not easy covering a team. It's not easy being a beat writer, uh, especially if a team is struggling at times. It, it's not fun because you have to sit there and talk to the players, the coaches every single day, sometimes asking the same questions over and over again. Uh, so that it, it can be difficult. And let's one, he does a great job. Uh, he covers the team in, in a really great way. He's very friendly. He gets along with everybody. Uh, I've traveled alongside of Jim Thomas and have nothing but great things to say about him. But I think he deserves a lot of credit too. And the credit for me is that he was brought in or brought on to be the beat writer for the Rams. Anthony, and you know this, mm-hmm. it goes all the way back to when you were covering the Rams too. Yeah. And then the Rams left and JR, Jeremy Rutherford, our good buddy who now works at The Athletic, does a fine job over there, but he was the beat writer for the Blues. So the Post-Dispatch well, two-fold didn't have a beat writer and didn't have a football team. So Jim Thomas got moved over relocated to the hockey department. That's not an easy task. Going from something like football where you're in it every day and you understand, you know, the players, you know, the coaches, you know, everything like you're, you're in it to a whole new sport with a whole new bunch of individuals and learning about the culture and the game and the systems and all that. So credit to, to Jim Thomas uh, for putting in a, a great career as a writer.
4: Yeah. Well said, Jamie. I, I happen to get to know Jim Thomas a little bit throughout the Rams training camps and things like that here. And Jim is nothing but professional and, as Jamie noted, well-liked by not only his fellow media members, but by the the coaches and uh, by the players. Well-respected guy. And you're right, Jamie. I I couldn't imagine covering a sport like football for as long as Jim Thomas did and then transitioning over to hockey and really trying to pick it up and, and doing so on the fly. Uh, like Jim did, so congratulations to Jim on an incredible career. We'd all be so you know fortunate to to put in the work like Jim has over his forty years, yeah, Thank forty goodness. plus years, and um, and 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 be well as well respected as he is. So congratulations, Jim, and I hope you enjoy retirement.
6: Uh, I wanted to bring this up. We got a, uh, a tweet from Matt today, uh, and of course we know as as Cardinal fans that Lars Newpar has and and Uh-oh. Andrew Kisner. Brought in the, you know, the the pepper, pepper grinder, grinder. And, and now it's an international sensation. were the first two yep. For sure, absolutely. Did it together.
5: Yeah, oh. I believe they were together that mm-hmm. night.
6: Uh, the Orioles have their own interesting celebration. Oh, I saw that. Celebration. Whoever gets a base hit will do a sprinkler. Oh, nice. So let's say a man gets on second. We're doing the sprinkler. Everyone knows that dance, and everyone—maybe not everyone—but a lot of players on the on the uh, the bench have water in their mouth and they're squirting water like a sprinkler. Now, which one, in your opinion, is more creative?
5: Okay, hang on. Side note here. Yes. Have you seen what they do for home runs? I have not. So they do the sprinkler and the guys have water and Mm -hmm. that for the base hit. For a home run, they have a funnel, a beer funnel. Oh, I
6: did see that. I did see that. And they
5: funnel the water. Yes. Oh really? Yeah. That's great. The guy stands underneath, they hold it all the way up the top of the dugout and they funnel. Dude,
4: I like the Orioles.
5: They're young and having a great time.
4: Last last year they came into town and they you know, obviously they, they I think they swept. They swept the they, Cardinals. They spanked us. They spanked us pretty good. And I thought, wow, you, you got swept. Got swept by the Orioles. And the more I watched them then throughout the course of the year, yeah, team, I'm man. like,
5: <laughs> I'm like, guys.
4: I t- and I think I remember telling you, you and BT. I'm like, you know what team I kind of like watching? Damn Orioles. These
5: guys don't suck. No,
4: they, they actually
6: <laughs> did suck. Then the Cardinals played them, and then they went on their run.
5: Yeah, they did go on a heater <laughs> after that. You're
4: right. Yeah. They should thank the Cardinals then, really, for that. But no, I think I, that's pretty fun. Have it, fun with it, right? It's also kind of nice to be far removed from the pandemic and COVID, where these guys are doing that, and you're like, yeah. oh, and we're not, we're not looking at it sideways, like, yeah, okay. So no,
5: right. I, I enjoy uh, all of that stuff. You know, baseball is 162 games. If you can't have some levity and some fun in that, like, come on,
6: yeah. Right now they're six and five in the AL East, which is just an incredible division right now. The Rays, eleven and zero. Mm-hmm. They they might not lose this year. (laughs) That's like Jamie doing the beat the streak. It's just easy. It's just just easy easy for them. It's just easy. I wonder if they have someone on their radio station down in Tampa Bay saying, suck it, MLB. This stuff's easy. Wow. Because they They, they, they don't really pay attention to Major League Baseball since they have like five people that show up to the game. They had
5: 13,000 the other night. (laughs) What the hell is going on? It's, like, a, terrible, what?
4: it's a terrible stadium. It, terrible, w- terrible location. Anthony, I
5: have questions. Okay. One, I've been to Tampa several times. It's a great
6: city. It is a great city.
5: It's an incredible sports town. Mm-hmm. I've been there for the Super Bowl. I've been there to play against the Lightning. I mean, it, it's fun. People love it. The weather's gorgeous. Like, wh- why is baseball not thriving in that environment? I, I mean, I don't. It's know. It's a closed stadium, isn't it? Yeah, it's a closed That's stadium. That's your first mistake. You're in Florida. The only problem is, the, the hell are you doing? The, it
4: rains rain. a lot. I don't care. Yeah, they're they're trying to get ahead of the rain, but okay. But there, there's no. I, I've been it in that. It rains stadium. in the
5: morning and then dries up, Anthony. That's how Florida works. You're right
4: that it rains quickly and yeah. then it, it, it moves. It moves they on. They quickly. got tarps that are made for this stuff. Regardless of that, you're right about this. Have you been to the? Have you been to Tropicana?
5: No. It's a dungeon. It, I, I heard it's dark. The roof is terrible. It it's is.
4: Yeah. It's a ba- it's a bad spot to. Wa- so even if they're gonna have it inside, have it have it be fun. Yeah. Like, it, we freaking Arizona has a pool in the outfield. I mean, yeah, it, it, Tampa can do something.
6: Well, they had. They used to have a, a tank with rays in it. If I'm not mistaken, they did. Maybe they still do. Not too sure. Nobody's checked. <laughs> no one's checked. Yeah. <laughs> It's Nobody. like they're playing. They're it's playing poor, at the uh, the limp poor mansion. Ray's,
4: <laughs> poor <Ray's> probably Mansion. <laughs> yeah.
6: Somebody stole
4: them. Uh. All right, we're going to talk to Jeremy Rutherford next. Uh, final home game for the Blues tonight. They take on the Dallas Stars, and we'll get Jr.'s take on his uh, latest article, talking about the things that we have learned about the Blues down the stretch. Jr. Next in the fast Line on One One ESPN.
3: Back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's time for the Rutherford Report on 101 ESPN.
5: Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go.
3: Fastlane on
4: 101 at ESPN. We're live from the the Missouri Athletic Club downtown for the College Basketball Writers Association Awards. We were here a year ago, We got a chance to talk to some great people, uh, but Jr. wasn't here, so we're we're inviting Jr.
5: I was shocked that Jr. We're right in the gym and the workout area. I was shocked that we didn't see him up there doing some jumping jacks. or he, he something. He usually does. Yeah, he's a <laughs> fairly a, a active pli- individual, a plyometric guy. Yes, yeah, you're right. Yep. He does.
4: Jr. joins yeah, us enough. right now.
8: What's going on, bud? Big on the plyometrics, yeah. Big on the plyometrics. I did. Uh, I did spend a little time at the gym today. Just not the same gym you're at. So uh, maybe right, that fair qualifies. Fair. Yeah. Uh,
4: Jr. Dropping
5: something off for someone, Jr. Is not quite the same. <laughs> <laughs> Good point, Jamie. <laughs> they, they
8: had a buffet there today.
5: <laughs> uh, Jamie and
4: I ate the buffet. We today. did there have the buffet. It was outstanding. Wonderful. Uh, Jr. I know that you were somebody that was a teammate of Jim Thomas at the Post Dispatch, and Jim is retiring at the uh, the end of the, the Blues season, so this will be his last home game. 48 years in the business, uh, obviously a long time with the Rams, and then when you went over to the Athletic, he, he covered the beat for the Blues. Of course, the Rams left for L.A. Um, somebody that I know that uh, you respect greatly as well.
8: Yeah, for sure, Anthony. You know, I worked at the Post-Dispatch for about 18 years, and Jim was a mentor. I tweeted yesterday, he's on my Mount Rushmore of journalists and, and mentors, and He was a guy I helped a little bit with the Rams, so just to be around him and see the work ethic out at Rams Park was uh, phenomenal. I used to sneak into the Post-Dispatch after Rams games, after he turned in his stories on Sunday, and go into the computer system at the Post-Dispatch just to read the stories to get his uh, perspective. That's how much I kind of looked up to to what he did. And then when I left uh, for the Athletic in 2017, you kind of wonder, everybody kind of wonders, okay, who's going to come in and replace you there at the newspaper? And, You know, when they said, Jim, he said, I've never covered hockey. I've watched a little bit over the years. Boy, did he catch on quick. Uh, It wasn't too long before he was saying, well, I think they'll call up this guy because they've only got 17, you know, so on and so forth. It was just amazing how fast he caught on. So congratulations to a wonderful uh, career, a good friend, and an awesome mentor.
5: Yeah, JR, just to stick with Jim Thomas here just for a second, um, you know, two-part question for it. Uh, One, how hard – would that be to jump from one sport to another you kind of described a little bit there but you know put yourself in in gym shoes if you had to you know jump and cover the rams on a daily basis you know how hard would that be and then how hard is it overall to be the beat writer because in pro sports that team it's not all roses at the end of the day and there's things that you know there's losing streaks there's players that have bad personal streaks and it's not always easy to be that guy is it
8: No, it's not. And and to come from being a a Hall of Fame writer in the NFL where you you know how things work on an everyday basis, you know the salary cap, you know uh, qualifying offers, you know when when guys are coming in to try out, you have your sources built up within the organization. And to do that for 20-plus years, and if I'm not mistaken, in the 20-plus years that the the Rams were here, uh, and Jim even went out to L.A. to cover them a little bit before they came to St. Louis, Uh, I think he might have missed one or two practices and no games in in 20-plus years. So that's the work ethic right there. But you're familiar familiar with the vocabulary, the vernacular. When a front office person tells you something, Riv, uh, you know right away exactly what they're talking about and what the ramifications are, and you go write your story, and you're completely comfortable. But then when you come into the NHL and you talk about a draft lottery or you talk about you know, this player needs 10 games or 30 days in order to clear waivers. There's just so much uh, that's different in the NHL compared to the NFL, even if you're used to being a newspaper writer. And, and that's the part that he really picked up on. And, and then also uh, in terms of the day-to-day grind, for sure it's there. You know, I experienced that for 15-plus years at the Post-Dispatch. But just to give you an example, you know, after COVID and even during COVID with the Zoom, you don't get a lot of access to the players. You know, you might see a certain guy – once every couple weeks, and so when you get a chance to talk to him, you've got to ask the question even if the timing isn't right, and so Jim was put into situations where he had to ask, you know, Vladimir Tarasenko, do you still want the trade request, or Jordan Bennington, what do you think about not playing the last four games? Those are the types of questions you have to ask on a daily basis, and when you flip on the news and you see the sound bite from the player, you hear what the player has to say, but it takes a little bit of gumption to do that on a daily basis, and that's what uh, Jim did really well. Jeremy Rutherford
4: of The Athletic joining us right now on the lane on 101 ESPN. Jr. I wanted to ask you about your 12 things that we learned about the Blues down the stretch, and the first one that you had covered was the message still resonating to Craig Berube. Uh, Craig Berube's message still resonated with the players. Jamie had made this point a couple of times, and I thought it was uh, well made, even for him. Um, he you. was talking <laughs> about how if the, the, if the players – weren't the issue and Chief was the issue, then the players would still be here and Chief would be gone when the, when the Blues were really having their issues early on and there was a decision to be made. Uh, and obviously you feel the same way, writing that Barubi's message is still resonating within that locker room, and, and he's obviously the guy that the front office uh, believes that can, that, that can you know oversee this retool.
8: Yeah, when I heard Riv say that a day or two, uh, I was listening, and it was kind of a, like a light went on with me. Like, oh, you know, that that is that is accurate. Like, if you're going to move the O'Reilly's and the Terracinkos and the Barber's and the Achari's and and kind of make this uh, roster retool and you're keeping the coach in place, that says a lot about what you think about the coach, and I think that's uh, dead on. It's a real good point by Riv. You know, where I was going with my point in the article is, you know, 11-7-2 down the stretch one of the top ten records in the NHL down the stretch. Look, nobody's given out ribbons uh, for missing the playoff, but I think it's a situation where I've covered a lot of seasons. I've covered a lot of bad teams, and I've seen it go the exact opposite way with a coach, and it might not be at the end of the season. It could be at the start of the season where uh, you see a Davis Payne get fired, but when it does go sideways, everybody looks to the coach, and that wasn't the situation here, and so uh, did they beat up on a lot of non-playoff teams uh, yeah, but I think they also had some really good performances, and more importantly, the effort was there. It looked like they were trying to end on a strong note. And I think that speaks well to uh, the coaching situation.
5: Jr. There were some additions made at the trade deadline and around the trade deadline. So, um, you know, we'll highlight Sammy Blay as well in this conversation. So, if we're looking in particular at Sammy Blay, Caspery Kapanen, and Jacob Verana, you know, in your opinion, how do you feel? Uh, these guys have worked out for the Blues. And, you know, what do you think their role is moving forward into next season? Yeah,
8: Sammy Blay, the best player in that trade, huh?
5: Oh, my God, it's (laughs) unbelievable how good he's playing.
8: Yeah, no, he's been great, and even greater than what he's been able to come in and do. You know, a lot of people thought that, okay, Sammy Blay's coming back. He was a part of that Stanley Cup team, uh, but he didn't do much in New York. But, you know, the more you think about it and the more we see him produce – You think about he's coming back from that knee injury. And, look, he's not going to be probably a top-line player, might not even be a top-six guy, but he's coming in and showing you that he can produce. He's got that physicality. But here's the best part. When I say greater, a million dollars next year. You have a Sammy Blay that looks like he's only getting better and healthier coming back for a million dollars, and that is absolutely terrific for the situation that the Blues are in, needing quality players and needing them on the cheap. And then you look at Brandon Kapanen, you know, I think both of those guys have uh, been good, too, coming in. Definitely provided that extra notch in the speed department. And, again, super cheap. Detroit picks up 50% of Rana's salary. You get him for a couple and a half million dollars next year. You kind of got uh, capping in on the cheap as well. And the, the, the big thing here is, you know, are you bringing in a Sammy Blay, a capping in of Rana? To solidify your Stanley Cup team, you know, three, four, five years ago, no, that's not the case. This is a situation where you want to keep the team competitive. These guys give you a chance. Like I said, all three of them are inexpensive. Whatever the retool looks like next year, you feel pretty good based on what we've seen that these guys can help.
4: Last question for Jeremy Rutherford, our Blues Insider with the Athletic. We got uh, some young guys on the on the uh, the in the line combinations tonight for the. Uh, Blues as they take on the Dallas Stars. What, do we, what, do we, what should we know about some of these uh, opportunities for these young players tonight, including McGinn?
8: Well, first of all, are you going down there, Riv? Are you between the benches?
5: Uh, no, it's a national game tonight, national ESPN. Okay. But I am going down there. Um, I'm going as a civilian tonight, JR. I don't oh. know if there's been a game <laughs> this year that I've actually attended if I wasn't working. So the girlfriend and I are going to head down and enjoy the evening. Okay.
8: Rest in peace to the beer kegs down there at Enterprise tonight. But that I think bourbon, uh, you know if, you, <laughs> if you get down there, Rib, you got to check out this mustache on uh, Hugh McGing, who's going to make his NHL debut. He looks like a little bit of Ted Lasso here with the mustache, <laughs> and, and so, <laughs> he, he goes yay tall. And when I say yay, he might be looking up to Darren Pang over there. Uh, they uh, joked with him, who's taller, Nathan Walker, Tory Kruger, Hugh McGing, and uh, he said they want to stand side by side. But they all three might be shorter than Colton Pareko's stick. But uh, the, kid's got some, <laughs> the kid's got some feistiness, and uh, he deserves it. I added up the American Hockey League games today. He's played uh, about 160 of them, and he's getting his first crack at the NHL after being a, uh, I believe, fifth-round draft pick 2018. So he's going to get a chance tonight on that fourth line, and he was sitting next to Alexei Torpchenko at the locker stall the other day, and both those guys were uh, living it up. They're excited about playing together here in the NHL, so that's one player that you'll get a look at tonight. Good stuff. All right, JR, enjoy
4: the rest of your day, and I want to apologize for Jamie and I. We didn't wish you a happy birthday last week when we talked to you. We talked. I about, oh, brought it a...
5: up, and Anthony said, no, we're not doing that. <laughs> <You're> <laughs> it's not jerk,
8: so.
4: But happy belated birthday to you. We hope you had a great 38th birthday, my man.
8: Yeah, no, thanks, thanks. Yeah, I wish. But, no, thanks every time. And uh, we'll see you down at the game tonight, Riv. Uh, Save me a bourbon.
5: You got it. Thanks for the warning. All right. <laughs> <Bye>. <laughs> Why you be a jerk to what? JR? Oh, He'd morning. do it to me, too. Okay? He absolutely would. He, he, uh, gets he gets it. He totally. He's been around hockey long enough. Yeah, he, knows. he knows. We <laughs> only make fun of the ones we like. If we don't say it, guess what? Beware at that point. That's
3: true.
4: You're like,
5: oh, wow. What did I do you know, wrong? He's me. always nice to me. Yeah. <laughs> 6.30 tonight.
4: Puckle drop. Stars and Blues. 5.30 will be the pregame tonight right here on the Blues Radio Network 101 ESPN. Uh, we'll jump back into the pitching. We, we haven't talked enough about this Cardinals pitching yet. Uh, Jamie, we'll also give it you happened? an update, some good news next to on want ESPN.
1: With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them.
2: Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to Bluenile.com. That's Bluenile.com. We're right back to the Fast
3: Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
4: 3:04. Your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. With Jamie Rivers, and Andrew Marsh, I'm Anthony Stalter. We're live at the Missouri Athletic Club for the College Basketball Writers Association Awards. Uh, we haven't had any interviews th- thus far, but the uh, festivities get going. And Jamie, they've got all the co- the basketballs lined yeah, up.
5: Balls everywhere in here.
4: Yeah, get a bunch of balls. It's yeah. a, it is a basketball arena. So oh,
5: that's great. An arena,
4: but a, a basketball uh, court. An arena?
5: Anthony? Yeah, I called
4: it arena. I made I made the mistake uh, and I fixed it right away. You did, Jamie. I saw you eyeing those balls, though. Those uh-huh. are not for you. Those are for the men and women who played their balls off this, this, their basketballs off this year and collected some outstanding hardware. So
5: They sure did. They are nice balls, though, I'll tell you that much. They're not the kind you'd like to use out in the street because no. they'd get all scuffed up and exactly. marked up. You want to yep. keep these ones pristine, no doubt.
4: Cardinals now up 3-1 thanks to Nolan Arnato hitting a two-run home run. The curse
6: has been
4: lifted. Yep, so don't worry, Marsh. We're good. We uh you 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 did not curse Nolan Arenado like you did Brendan Donovan. Mm. Unfortunately, did did anybody have Aronado in the home run derby? Did you?
6: We didn't do one today.
5: We didn't do
4: one. Oh, that's we right. Because we didn't have the lineup.
5: lineup game. That's, yeah. right. But that's we didn't, right. We actually could have because we don't need the lineup game. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. We got in on the hit. We could have followed that right up. That's just bad, bad planning by it us. It totally is. I blame I myself. Would've,
4: I would have had Tyler O'Neill though. You guys know that. Uh, Cardinals, oh, Cardinals now up. <laughs> Cardinals now up three to two. Rockies just scratch one across. But Jack Flaherty thus far has looked okay. I mean, he gave up a leadoff home run to Jerks and Profar in the bottom of the first inning. Otherwise, he has settled in. He's uh, through three and two thirds. He's allowed the two earned runs, three hits, three Ks. Here's the important one though: one walk. And Marsh is, Why are you gonna be like
5: that? Oh, I'm, I'm saying it's we're early. encouraged. It's great. We're trying to root on our Redbirds. I am here. too.
4: So far, Jack Flaherty's looked good. He has. Looks like he's living more at the bottom of the strike zone, mm. and again, he's only got one walk as of right now. Miles Michaelis, though, he's he's a concern. He is. I mean, three starts. Is he your only
5: concern? No, of course not. So, but that's my problem. We dive into this starting pitching is. If it was isolated to one guy, you could say, okay, we're going to figure this out somehow, some way. Yeah, Monty has been your only guy where you feel like, I'm going to hand him the ball, and I'm going to be okay. Yep. I'm going to watch him go for five-plus, and we're good.
4: He's not going to get taken
6: to the woodshed.
5: No, no, not yet. No. I'm
6: uh, starting to wonder if uh, – and they won't do this, but when Wainwright comes back, if Jake Woodford uh, – can string together a few good starts here, and Stephen Matz continue to not pitch well. If maybe they move him,
5: no chance, no chance, no, no chance. chance. Yeah. I'm just floating the idea out there, okay? The, the problem floating it out there,
4: Marsh. I know what you're doing, and Jamie doesn't like it. Go ahead, Jamie. Mm.
5: Well, I don't mind it. Uh, I just don't think it'll happen. No, it won't happen based on the contract and the resume too. No, Stephen Matz, although he was injured last year, comes with a a fine resume of pitching in the majors mm-hmm. and uh, jake woodford doesn't really so uh, without really going into it because you yeah. don't have to jake woodford just hasn't done enough yet to get that benefit of the doubt
4: type yeah. not, not trying to sewer the kid but the stuff has not played well yeah. thus far now you can make the argument and you would be you know like marsh just did that stephen matt says his stuff hasn't played well. james but Ryan, it has played in the past he, it has played in the past he's got a contract you're going to give that that veteran the benefit of the doubt. I think when Adam Wainwright comes comes back and he's ready to go, Jake
5: Woodford w- will be replaced. What but if to, Adam Wainwright comes back and he's not Waino? I mean, like, he'll still be Waino cuz he's the same person. I don't mm-hmm. mean it's going to change.
4: Um, what I mean is Yeah, you don't mean he's going to like uh, do the whole f- the face off thing and he's going to wear somebody else's face. Correct. You know, I don't like think cannibal that, Lector or something. Yeah,
5: correct. I don't think that'll happen. Um, but what What do you do if he comes back and it's the version of Adam Wainwright that you saw in spring training? There is and there's no injury this time. I know this is a big, like, what if? but Oh, there'll be an injury. Probably. You're right. I mean. Tipping his pitches or something. Something. Yeah. His plant foot. Exactly. Shoelaces. His glutes weren't firing or something. Yeah.
4: Jamie, I think to your earlier point, there's nothing you can do. There really isn't. I'm not. I, I'm not. Do you go to Libertor
5: then? Do you just say, "Hey, screw this. Let's bring up the kid." Not for like permanent, but like, give him a shot. What I
4: think will happen is you'll have a phantom injury for somebody, and then yes, Libertor, will have yes. What's a phantom injury? Well, they go up to somebody in the clubhouse and they go, "Hey, does your arm bother you?" And he'll say, "No, I feel great." And then you punch him right in the elbow, and, and you go, "Now, mm-hmm. now, does it bother you?" Because you're on the IL. Do you
5: have to physically hurt the person? No,
4: no I just added that. Out of spite. Yeah. But no, it's a phantom injury. Yeah, you say, hey, you know what? Uh, you look hurt today. Hmm. You're hurt. Wow. To skip, I feel fine. You're hurt. And then he's placed on the IL. Yeah. And then you bring up Matthew Libertor.
5: Okay. Yeah. I don't hate the idea. I'm fine with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
4: Phantom injury. Hmm. Okay. But yes, I do think that's a possibility to your question. Don't you? Phantom injury? <laughs> Matthew libert yes. And Matthew Libertor coming up at some
7: point.
5: Well, if the, if the young man continues to pitch the way he has so far this season in Memphis, I mean, why wouldn't you give him a chance? I, I, and I do feel like there's still some redemption there for John Moselock, where he's going to want Matthew Libertor to come up and do well, because that lightens the abuse that he takes for the Randy Rosarena thing.
4: And he's having a fantastic start to the season. Too. It's a
5: good, te- a good thing that he's not on a very good team either.
4: <laughs> no, they're only 11-0, 12-0 <laughs> at this point. Yeah, It's a fast lane on 101 ESPN. Again, we're live at the Missouri Athletic Club for the College Basketball Writers Association Awards uh, throughout the course of the show. It, it, it'll probably be about the last hour or so. We'll have some interviews done with the coaches and players. Uh, last year, we talked to uh, Oscar Tashimbué of Kentucky, mm-hmm. I Bless thought he was, you. think hey, I thought he was going to the NBA, and at that point he kind of indicated that he might have been, and then he went back to Kentucky hmm. for uh, for another year. So good year too. You never know. It was a good year, Jamie. Yes, sir. He's a, great, he's a very good player. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you never know who was going to stop by. So we'll have some interviews throughout the course of the show. But as we move on here in the fast lane, we got our sports six pack next. So if you got a question for us, fantastic. Uh, we'll uh, answer them in our sports six pack next. I want to win on ESPN.
3: Back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. I have a question. It's time for the Fast Lane to answer your sports questions. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. Answer the question. Answer the question.
1: Asking me all these weird questions.
9: Answer me! The Sports 6-Pack is refreshed by Schlafly Beer, the original St. Louis craft brewery.
4: All right, time for the Sports 6 back here on the line on 101
6: ESPN with Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stoltzer. Marsh, what do you got for us?
3: Question, Question one. number
6: one. Uh, we were just talking about the Cardinals pitching from the 3 314. Do you guys feel like any of our starting pitching issues are coming from rushing with the new pitch clock? No.
5: No. Throwing, I don't either. Throwing a strike has nothing to do with how long it takes. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Neither does throwing a ball, unfortunately. No, I mean, both. Yeah. both things are true. Yeah, no. I, it's a it's a it's a good question. BT the other day said that it, it really wasn't. He didn't feel like it was an issue early on. I don't. I don't think it's a problem.
5: I don't think it is either. Here, here's why I think that. If if you were seeing some pitchers in the fourth or fifth inning, in particular, just you know, really getting off their game and whatnot, maybe at that point you say um, maybe they're not getting enough rest in between pitches. Maybe they're burning out quicker. But some of the Cardinals' struggles have been in the f- very first inning of the game. Yeah. So although there have been struggles, like Miles Michaelis last night, right before he got taken out of the game, his struggles also have been early in the ballgames, too. Mm-hmm. So I, I personally don't believe it's the pitch clock. We should maybe get a pitcher on here at some point. BT is a closest thing we've got, although you know he hasn't pitched with a pitch clock. But uh,
4: I don't know. That's my but, opinion. And, and really, who is the only one that really took their time out there when it came to, you know, in between pitches is Giov- Giovanni Gallegos. So uh, I that he's a he's a reliever, not a starter. Yeah, I don't. Th- I think it's lack of execution and beats. He kind of echoed that yesterday.
6: What about slowing, slowing things down, you know, runners on base? Typically, we would see pitchers, you know, step off the mound, sort of gather themselves, slow the game down. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't get to see that now. Good. Well, I, I would I would respond this
4: See, way. One more
5: guy step off the rubber to readjust his hat and touch the rosin bag one more time. Right. Good, good, call. <laughs> Sorry, Anthony. I would
4: respond this way. Are the Rays having issues with the pitch clock and the holding runners on, or the Brewers having issues with the pitch? Co- like everybody's playing by the same rules, and the the Rays have a one seven three ERA as a team. The Brewers have a two five one ERA as a team. The Twins two six four ERA. The Yankees, most of their guys are hurt, and they have a 2.69 ERA as a team. So other teams are either adjusting to it if it is a problem, or they're executing because it's it's not a problem either way. The Cardinal starters are not doing doing either.
3: Question number two
6: from the three one four. Do you think Charlie Lindgren made the save of the year last night? Made a glove save, but didn't have a glove on.
5: Oh yeah, I saw that. That was a fantastic save. And uh, a lot of credit to Chucky Sideburns on that one because, uh, let's be honest, uh, hockey puck is is not the softest thing (laughs) in the world. It's frozen, very hard hard rubber. And if you don't have the proper protection, Mm -hmm. sometimes that can hurt. It can be a problem. It can be a problem. I like the effort on that one. Old school. Who was it a couple of years ago? Uh, Actually, it was Jake Allen. Lost his mask and then just didn't care, and lined up to face the next shot because the referee, for whatever reason, didn't see the fact that he lost his helmet. Mm-hmm. And Jake Allen, the rule is, you play to the whistle. Like, you, you can't assume the referee's is going to blow the whistle. And Jake Allen squared up to the, for the next shot and was, like, old school. Yeah, uh, Hats off to the goalie for that at that point because, you know, you're at
4: risk. Do you think if the blue still had uh, Charlie Lindgren, there's a play? they're a playoff team this oh, year? Oh, they're a
5: contender. Yeah.
3: Question number three,
6: from the six three six is Randy's guy Zion there again?
4: No, no. he's hurt. He's <laughs> <No. laughs> <laughs> hurt to get make it. Huh. He's
5: taking some heat.
4: Yeah, and I, I don't know where to go with this because he's responding. He's like, I want to be out there. It, it sucks. I don't know this. Who's that one sucks. guy
5: that never ever played? He was injured the whole time. Greg Oden. Greg Oden. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is he the next Greg Oden? I hope not i, hope I, not t- I don't I think wish Zion's that upon. a better player I
6: don't I don't was in a commercial i saw the other day <laughs> he was he was in a commercial what was he doing uh i i said a medical i product? can't remember no
7: <laughs> no, <laughs> <laughs> no <laughs> but this uh, is
4: way. yeah zion zion won i think what men's uh college basketball player of the year or something that year so that's why he. Well, was he's here.
5: an absolute mutant when it comes to the sport of basketball this guy's huge he's a good player all the everything possible to be I want to say the next Shaquille O'Neal but in today's NBA he has all the tools to be like a guy as dominant as a guy like Shaq was and he's hurt all the
4: time yep and the the, where the frustration comes in for some players not for some players for uh, fans and media is that well he got paid he's done He's not. He's just got to milk injuries. And I mean, that's I I understand the perception of that. But if a guy is hurt and can't play, especially in a game of of basketball, he's got hamstring injuries. I I don't I don't know what you do. I mean, he could he could attempt to go out there and play and he gets hurt. He gets hurt. what he has to do. But
5: honestly, here's what I here's my own opinion Mm -hmm. on this. This is just my opinion. And it's nothing to do with basketball. It's just what I believe to be true. Zion, he put on a bunch of weight, okay? He was a sleek version of himself in college, and he got away with that because he was still bigger and stronger than the kids. He put on a bunch of weight to be competitive with some of the bigger guys in the NBA, down low in the paint and whatnot. I think he's got to shed a few pounds. He's got, because right now I feel like he's so heavy and he's such a big human being. He's putting a lot of stress on hamstrings, on groins, on ankles, knees, all of that. We've seen what he does to shoes. He blows out of shoes all (laughs) the time. So, but you laugh, but think about tendons and ligaments and muscles. They're going through the same crap as that shoe is. (laughs) Uh, They they are though. (laughs) They are. They're going like this is a massive, strong, powerful individual. I think he shed a a, a few pounds, really attacks some of the pliability in the off season, Pilates or something like that. I mean, this guy, if he really wants to play, I think he's got to change something. In order to stay on the court.
4: Yeah, and if he does stay healthy, he's got to, he's gotta keep the weight off too, because I think he started a pack on the pounds too once it
6: once he was hurt. oh yeah. Which I'm sure happens.
3: Question number four.
6: All right, we get a text from the six three six. Uh, is Ali Marmel being outmanaged? Not specifically in this game, but just Throughout the, the course of the season so far,
4: I, I don't think there's a, I don't think there's been another manager that has outmanaged Ali Marmel. Has he made mistakes? Yeah, I thought the other night. Wh- I don't know. You know, it doesn't it doesn't sound like they had the replay, the right angle to to to, to challenge the Wilson Contreras play. I mean, clearly Contreras tagged out the runner, at tra- 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 uh, tagged out Charlie Blackman at home. Oh, you can see it. Yeah, you could see it. Now, BT said that they didn't have that angle. For the Valley Sports Midwest broadcast, I'd imagine Here's they had. Here's I push
5: him. back, though. Yeah, so you're sorry, you're finishing. The the teams have access to all of those cameras, by the way.
4: So then he made he clearly made a mistake there. He, Somebody or, didn't. or his guy, his video guy, made the mistake
5: or didn't see it in time because they they are operating with the the challenge clock right. now. That you know, all of a sudden, they're holding everyone accountable to this 15 seconds. Right. Because I, I know, I shouldn't say I know for a fact, because it's Major League Baseball. It's not the NHL. But I would imagine that these sports are all operating under the same guidelines. But in the NHL, they give you um, all angles of whatever they have in the building, mm-hmm. every camera, and then you can go and click on it, and it pops up bigger on the one screen. So I, either maybe he didn't see that angle quick enough to pull it up, and once he pulled it up, the clock, or the, the time had expired. I don't think... Overall, I don't feel like Ollie's been outmanaged yet.
4: I don't. Again, I don't think. I don't think. So, I don't think there's another, another manager that's in in the other dugout outmanaging him thus far. I think he's made some mistakes. Jamie and I have often often uh, we have expressed how we haven't liked some of these lineups. I don't know why Ma- Taylor Motters getting as many opportunities as he is when a guy like Juan Yepes has not has an opportunity. Yes, yesterday it's a home run. Mm-hmm. You know, Juan Yepes is not in the lineup tonight. I don't understand. Why some of you – I don't understand some of the defensive choices that he has. I didn't understand the other night when Modder got the opportunity to hit a uh, pinch hit for Brennan Donovan in a huge spot. I, I realize you're trying to go left the you know, you're, not, you're trying to avoid that. left yeah, had Dylan lefty Carlson lefty. on the bench Yeah, too. so I, I question some of those things. I know Jamie has as well, but that doesn't mean that he has been outmanaged, so to speak. What I don't fault him for is lack of execution on his players' behalf, where I think some people do. I think some people want to throw their frustrations all at Ali Marmal. He has never thrown one pitch thus far. He has not thrown a pitch for Miles Michaelis. Miles Michaelis has been terrible. Stephen Mass has been terrible. Outside of one start for Jordan for Jordan Montgomery and thus far Jack Flaherty is having a really good start today, so maybe maybe we count this one as well. None of his pitchers are throwing well. I don't put that on Ali Marmal. Some of the questionable lineup choices, yeah. Having Alec Burleson playing, you know, left field in a, in a spot like Coors Field where you've got, you know, where's some of the defensive. He made the defensive move yesterday to get Brennan Donovan out there and it worked. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that, yeah, there's been there's been some questionable decisions out I
6: wouldn't classify it as that. No. Question number five from the three one four. What are your thoughts on Salt Lake City trying to get an MLB expansion team?
5: Salt Lake City, MLB?
6: Yeah. Looks like the uh, former owner of the Utah Jazz plans to uh, pursue a Major League Baseball franchise.
5: All the power to him, I think he better get in line, though. There's some better cities that are already, I believe, on the map waiting for a Major League Baseball team, Nashville being one of them. That's the one I was thinking. Um, I know that Montreal is another city that is very eager to bring baseball back up into that neck of the woods up in Canada. Uh, I think there's a couple other places too out west that. Um,
4: Nashville and Montreal were the two that I was thinking of, especially when you consider the team that we bagged on earlier. Not not the team. The team has been great, but the fan base would hmm. uh, be in Tampa Bay. Yeah. You know, Tampa Bay had. Well, that. Tampa
5: already tried to do half their home games yeah. in Montreal. Yeah, that and was weird. The league weird. said no. Right. What are we doing here?
4: So, uh, but Jamie, I think you're right. There was there was another city. I, I can't, feel not like, I can't remember. Was it,
5: it Portland? I, don't, I feel yeah, like it was West up Port in the Lake. Northwest somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but either way, I, I, Salt Lake, uh, I've been there. They used to have a minor league team in, in Salt Lake. It's nice. I, I don't know if the appetite would be there, but this guy, fo- former owner of the Jazz, he obviously has a few pennies to rub together, probably knows a little bit more of that demographic, that business atmosphere yep. in Salt Lake than I do. So he must feel like there's a way to do this. I do think it's probably third or fourth on the list though. Agreed. question. Number six, final question from the six, three, six. Who do you have
6: winning the Jake Paul, Nate Diaz fight in August?
5: So this is an MMA fight, right? It's not a boxing match to what, to my knowledge, it's an MMA fight. I believe Marshy can you confirm or um, deny that please? looking
6: it up right now I know Nate Diaz was a he's an ex UFC yeah. guy. no it is a boxing match it's a boxing it match? is boxing then yeah. I
5: think Nate Diaz is in trouble I do Nate Diaz a couple things about him uh, an incredible submissions fighter tough as nails he get he can get into a bar fight out there like it's unbelievable how tough he is a boxer he's not He's not a boxer. Anytime he's ever fought anybody that can throw hands pretty good, uh, he doesn't fare all that well. Now, he can take a beating and keep going, but nonetheless, he's going to end up losing that fight. I, I was under the impression that at one point they were talking about an MMA fight, and if that was the case, it's not even a thought. Nate Diaz would absolutely pulverize Jake Paul in that, because not just because of the, the punching and the kicking, the submissions and the jiu-jitsu that he has the ground game is incredible he'd have jake paul in a pretzel in the first 30 seconds of that <laughs> thing so I, I i'm gonna have to as much as um as much as I, I i don't like jake paul per se uh or at least the persona he exudes because yeah. i'm sure he's probably a different person behind closed doors i'm gonna have to go with him in that one that's
4: jamie rivers i'm anthony Stalzer. Fastlane on 101 ESPN. We're live from the Zero Athletic Club for the College Basketball Writers Association Awards that are going to be going on tonight, uh, hosted by uh, look, Looking forward to that. We've got the gauntlet coming up in 30 minutes, but, Jamie, you and I were discussing the Lamar Jackson situation the other day in relation to the Odell Beckham signing by the Ravens, and you had brought up the report by Ian Rappaport saying, well, this might inch Lamar Jackson closer to re-signing with the Ravens, or at least signing his tender. And I had a thought about other quarterbacks, and maybe we got it wrong on what Lamar actually wants. That's next on 101 ESPN.
0: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices message and data rates may apply bank of america and a member fdsc we're right
3: back to the fast lane podcast presented by dobbs tire and auto centers on 101 espn
4: line on 101 ESPN. We're live at the Missouri Athletic Club for the College Basketball Writers Association Awards. Uh, looking forward to chatting with the college basketball players and coaches that had the, the biggest years this year. Uh, you know, Bill Walton is the featured speaker, but our, our girl uh, Michelle Smallman is going to be the MC tonight. Mike Bray, the good guy award. He re- resigned from Notre Dame. Uh, Brandon Miller is the wa- Wayman Tinsdale Award winner for the Men's Freshman of the Year. Of course, he played at Alabama. Shaka Smart won the Henry Iboe Award. talked to Shaka
5: Smart before. Did you? Yeah, me and BK had him on uh, when it was uh, Riz and BK. Nice. In the very nice individual.
4: Shaka Smart, very uh, well, well-decorated college basketball coach. And Zach Edney, the Oscar Robertson Trophy for the Men's National Player of the Year for his work at Purdue. That was the award that Zion won in 2019. He won the Oscar Robertson. Men's basketball player, yes, uh, of the year award. So, looking forward to this, uh, Caitlin Caitlin Clark of, of Iowa, obviously been in the the news a lot from the Iowa LSU national championship game. She's the women's player of the year. Uh, she will not be in attendance tonight. What? She heard that Jamie and I were here, and she said, "You know what? No, I'm not going." So uh, we respect Caitlin Clark's decision. No, she didn't say that. I'm just joking. Jamie, Lamar, about you, probably Lamar Jackson. We talked about Lamar a couple of days ago, and I made this comment about uh, after Odell Beckham Jr. signed with the Ravens, breaking news, Odell signed yeah, the Ravens. He made fun of that. Breaking news, right? And I'm like, oh, here we go. Breaking news for a number two wide receiver. That'll it's funny do-
5: that you use that number. Why? When you talk about Odell.
4: Well, Jamie... I was talking about it from a football standpoint. I think you're referring to something
5: else. Maybe. Let's keep let's let's stay on the track. I just thought it was uh, interesting that you use that number.
4: Either way, Jamie you had also read off Ian Rappaport's report that the signing of Odell could mean that Lamar might either sign his tender or agree to a, a new deal with the Ravens cuz he was talking a lot to to Odell, and they FaceTime, and blah, 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 blah.
5: Yeah, they hang out. They hang Bar-becues out. Barbecues and stuff like that. Started thinking dog about, park.
4: Dog park. <laughs> I started thinking about this, Jamie. wonder if we have it kind of wrong with Lamar. Maybe he wants to go down the same route as what Tom Brady did at Tampa. Russell Wilson, always he wanted that in... As soon as he saw Tom Brady win that Super Bowl against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs a couple years ago, remember he was sitting there with his wife and Roger Goodell. Yeah, it was like
5: the he, awkward. Yeah, he, yeah. Looked,
4: he looked furious. Like, And lo and behold, the reports were well, when he was there at the game, he, he wanted what Tom Brady had, the ability to kind of talk about his, where what offense he wants to play in and what, what players he wants around him. Mm. We saw this with Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers. Got all butthurt because Jordy Nelson wasn't re-signed. Jordy Nelson played one more year in the league, but Aaron Rodgers, like, how could you not talk to me about Jordy Nelson? Okay, Aaron. Then he wanted Randall, Cru- Randall Cobb. Maybe Lamar wants a little bit more say in 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 who the Ravens signed.
5: But okay, and I think this is
4: a slippery slope.
5: So here's where I go with it. One, I don't think that. Uh, one, I think you could be right. You could be. But if that's the case, wouldn't he have already been happy? They moved on from the old offensive coordinator. Greg Roman, yeah. That apparently, you know, not, not, not a great offensive coordinator. At least he wasn't with the Ravens. Yeah. Okay? So they've already moved on from that. So whatever they do moving forward, like, it's going to be tailor-made for Lamar Jackson. So in and of itself, he's a part of the process here. So I don't get that. I don't buy that, that he wants more say in things. See, Jamie, I think... I'm more inclined to believe that the quarterback wants more
4: say over the wide receiver when he should. And I don't care which quarterback it is, Lamar, Mahomes, whoever. If you're, if you're watching Brady and, and saying to yourself, well, you know, he, he got Gronk to come to Tampa and he got this guy to come to Tampa and whatever, realize you're always talking about the exception with Tom Brady. If you're watching that Super Bowl, though, and saying, oh, Tom Brady gets this, that, and the other thing, realize that Mahomes won two Super Bowls now, one with Tyreek Hill, one with now, without, and I realize he's got Travis Kelsey there, too. But the point is, he the other Jude constant. He had Schuster, too, and <laughs> Yeah, he did, the old TikTok master himself. Yeah. Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. If, if I am a quarterback in the, in the NFL, and I'm looking at what Mahomes has in Reid, and what you know, Stafford didn't win. It didn't win anything in Detroit. He didn't win anything. First year in LA with Sean McVay won a Super Bowl. I ca- I would care more about not what what receivers I'm necessarily throwing to, but what I have at OC or the head coach. It's kind of like you and I or anybody else listening right now that is that is a free agent looking for a job, right? And. You you go you go to a a spot because ah oh, you like your coworkers okay that's nice, how's the boss? Does the boss maximize your talents? Does the boss appreciate appreciate you? Does the boss support you? Does the boss have opportunities for you to grow? Or do you just kind of like going there because ah oh, you know I kind of like ha- hanging out with some of these guys? You won't last, and I think that is what the is one of the mistakes Russell Wilson made. I think that is one of the mistakes Aaron Rodgers has made because Aaron Rodgers they, they was worst year was last year and i think if if and i'm saying if lamar jackson is more concerned about having odell beckham jr to 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 throw to than who his oc is and who the play designer is i think it's a mistake i think in my opinion
5: i think a lot of these quarterbacks are nearsighted meaning like the big shiny toy sure give me tyreek give me obj give me whoever your favorite receiver is justin jefferson yeah give, give me those guys but you've got an offensive coordinator. You've got Matt Patricia now calling plays, and you're like, "Yeah, it's fine. It's I fine. got, I it's got my guy. Right? Yeah, well, your guy's never going to be open. Exactly. So I, I don't, I don't disagree with you. I think that it's very uh, unique and interesting what's going on with Baltimore right now. The fact that they have an absolute stud quarterback, a franchise quarterback, and they can't get him signed because he represents himself and is looking to. Um, make the biggest contract ever, or close to it, in guaranteed money, and now you're signing wide receivers that he's wanting. It's almost like, but look at what we got you, Lamar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's really weird what's going on here. It's either going to come together nicely to where they all one big happy family, or this thing's going to absolutely implode. Yeah, in all directions.
4: You know what this? You know who this reminds me of too, Jamie. And we'll wrap it up here. It reminds me of uh, my dear friend, Jamie Rivers, who has talked about a situation in which his agent recommended him go to a different spot that Mm -hmm. was going to make less money for him, but it was going to be a better opportunity and less opportunity, (laughs) but it was going to be better for him overall. Yeah. And it's the story you have told about how the Phoenix Coyotes were going to pay you more and obviously give you, because they were a rebuilding team, give you every, every opportunity and your agent said, Jamie, slow down. I got another offer on the table for what one year I think it was. One year. One year for less money and it's with the Detroit Red Wings. But hear me out. And that agent told you about how you could go to Phoenix, you could make more money, but they're going to want to play the young guys eventually and at some point they're they're going to they're going to toss you to the side. Mm-hmm. And you went to Detroit and you wound up in a great spot with with a great team and a great organization and you you wind up signing a a bigger a bigger free agent deal. Well, you re-upped with him.
5: Yeah, two-year to contract extension. This is, that. This is to your point, two minutes ago, this is what an agent does for you. Yeah, honestly, Matt Cater, uh, who was and still is my agent, just in case anybody's calling, um, I'm available. Um, <laughs> he he literally gave me the, hey, slow down here. You're not seeing the big picture. And he's like, when the Detroit Red Wings call me and ask me about a player... They're serious. So he's like, I think you need to rethink this. I did. I took about 24 hours, kind of thought about it, and I said, all right, let's go to Motown. Nice. One of the best decisions I've ever made, and that's thanks to Matt Cater, my agent.
4: And you and I were in the same city.
5: Yeah, we were. Didn't know it. Didn't know it. Did. Didn't know it. <laughs> Jamie and I were in
4: Detroit for a while. All right, it's a fast line on 101 ESPN. Uh, we're live at the Missouri Athletic Club for the College Basketball Writers Association Awards. Looking forward to meeting uh, a lot of the, the men and women that are uh, getting awards tonight. Shaka Smart, Zach Edney, Mike Bray, Brandon Miller. Uh, so, again, looking forward to that. we got the gauntlet in 15 minutes. But are you willing to give up points for a more two-way game? That's next on 101 ESPN.
3: We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobb's Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
4: It's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN as Jamie picks up his microphone. Live at the Missouri Athletic Club. You yeah, know it works, Jamie. It works, yeah. There we go. Is it on? Oh, yeah, that was wrapped up there. There we go. We got it. Wrapped up. It's Fastlane on 101 ESPN. That is Jamie Rivers, former Blues defenseman, who you can see tonight. pre and post for the Blues. No, nope. they...
5: that's not true, Anthony. Why not? That's not true.
4: That thought it's you told true. JR earlier. No, that I said I would
5: be in the building. Uh, I said that it's a national mm. game. ESPN, I believe, is covering the game. But I heard I'm the going national. down there as a uh, civilian tonight to watch. That's the game. right. You yeah. did say civilian. I did tell you that. And I told you there's a couple other things I'm going to be doing throughout the yeah. game. Yeah. I appreciate you listening.
4: Yeah, you're going to go down and... Uh, I got a couple of visits. Kiss too. hands and shake some babies yeah. is yeah. what you said. Stop
5: by the McBride suite, of course. Mm-hmm. John Eilerman, and then did a fantastic job. Big supporters of the Blues. I've got the, uh, the judge from Jefferson City it's coming to town he's uh, got an event with uh, tell him i said hello yeah it's he, 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 interesting enough he knew who you were hmm. and um he's got a uh, a suite for some some children with uh, extreme special needs that are going to their blues game oh that's uh, so awesome I'm stop by there and say hi to them and there's some other people throughout the building i've got to stop and say hi to i want to thank a lot of people too because they do an amazing job there all year long and so, yeah, a lot so of the, stuff kid, going the on.
4: kids are going to check out the game. First, yeah, first one for them this year,
5: I believe. That's I believe. Awesome. Yeah, good for them.
4: Good. They'll they'll have a fantastic time. It is the last Blues home game as the Blues host the Stars. You can hear it right here on 101 ESPN pregame starting at five thirty on the Blues Radio Network. Jamie, yesterday we talked to Craig Barubi and you had asked him the question about what, what are next steps for the two young guys, Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo. This is what Chief had to say.
8: Yeah, I think leadership for sure. Is part of the next step,
2: and um, you know, if you want to be a leader, you got to play a certain way, and you got to lead lead by example. And I think that they got to take the next steps, and with their
9: game, managing it better, uh, doing what's best for the team um, at the right time, you know, that might cost you some points because you're playing good defense and you're sacrificing.
4: Jamie, are you willing to give up? You, you heard Chief talk about sacrificing points perhaps to generate more of that two-way player. Yeah. Are you good with that overall? Because in my opinion, it's almost a necessity at times.
5: So here's the way I look at it, and I have, well, for a number of years now, if you play good defense, you're going to get more offensive opportunities. And the reason I say that is because if you don't play good defense, Anthony, the other team has the puck. Can you score a goal when the other team has a puck? No. Not usually. Unless somebody makes a really boneheaded play and scores on their own net, right? Percentage is called an own goal. It's an MLS. Yes, it is. Doesn't happen very often. So my point is the harder you can compete defensively, the quicker you get the puck back, the more you get an opportunity to go play offense. And that is the hardest thing for young players to wrap their brains around because they want to turn and burn. All the time, especially guys like Kairou and Thomas. Thomas is more aware of the defensive side for sure. He's, he's a few steps ahead of Cairo on that one. But you're looking for the transition. Well, don't worry, uh, Pareko will get the puck or or so-and-so. Braden Shan, my, my winger on this, he'll get the puck and then we're gone. But you're missing the point because they're missing a player, being you, the individual, not helping defensively, which means the other team has a greater chance to hang on to the puck. hmm So, compete harder defensively, you get more opportunities offensively. Does it take a little bit more jam to do that? Yeah, it does. Will you have to exert more energy at times? Yeah, you will. And will it cost you some points early on? Probably. But I think the flip side of that, the back end or the back side of this whole thing, is you will end up scoring more you'll end up drawing penalties too because if you get the puck back and you're playing with the puck, the other team has to defend. And with the speed and the ability of those two young players in particular, they're not always easy to defend. They draw penalties. Yeah. Power play opportunities. Both guys play on the power play. Another opportunity to score points. So albeit that maybe in the short term, you're sacrificing a little bit. I think long term, uh, not only are you playing more with the puck, you're getting more ice time too. Let's not forget about that because mm-hmm. Craig Berube can trust you. If you can't trust you, you can't put you on the ice for certain defensive zone faceoffs, which means you have to wait for the puck to clear before you can get an opportunity to go play that offense you want. Right. If you can go from 16, 17 minutes a game to 20 minutes a game, that's a lot of increased opportunity as well. So although I think that sacrificing some of the offense uh, right away, maybe, I do believe in the long run it's going to benefit.
4: Jamie, I and, and I'm sure there's a a good answer for this, but when I watch playoff hockey and I see what it takes to win a Stanley Cup and not just for the Blues in 2019, that that team was different than the ones that we've seen recently of like the Tampa Bay Lightning when they strung their, their, their Cup wins together. But even last year when the Lightning came up short, that team was so dedicated to blocking shots, to you know playing that cliched but cliched for a reason that 200 foot game that i wonder is it difficult to play it over an 82 game season and you wear yourself down and that is why we see some some players not dedicate themselves to that 200 foot game
5: if you're the only one's doing it yeah but ultimately it's the whole team so if every individual is competing the way they should be it actually lightens the load for you because you don't have to be the only guys out there defending. You don't have to be the difference maker. And you got to remember, the matchups now for guys like Cairo and Thomas, they're going to get usually a more defensive-minded trio and defensive pair against them, which means that they're probably not the best offensive players. Mm -hmm. So play good defense, get the puck back, go play offense. That's the way I look at it. and That's why it's so important for this Blues team to play consistent five-man defense out there because it helps the next line up, it's easier on them. The next line after it's easier on them. If everybody's playing the right way, it's easier for the group overall. So it's not as much stress on each individual. That's that Jamie.
4: Point. That's Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Salter. Blues stars tonight, 6:30. The puckle drop at Enterprise Center. We'll have the pregame for you at 5:30 right here on 101 ESPN. We got the Gauntlet next.
3: Back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. you survive the gauntlet?
4: 403, your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler with Jamie Rivers and our guy, Andrew Marsh. I'm Anthony Stalter. Live from the Missouri Athletic Club for the College Basketball Writers Association Awards. By the way, the Cardinals are uh, they're up 4-3. to three. Rockies, though. Continue to be a threat there in the bottom of the seventh. Yeah, they are.
5: And Apparently, Drew Verhagen's back in there.
4: Well, good. Yeah, not, not a year so ago, not not so much. somebody says uh, Drew Verhagen's bad again. Oh well, geez. Anyways, all right. We have Jim. Jim is our latest contestant in the Gauntlet. What's up, Jim? Uh, not much. How you doing? We're doing good. First time in the Gauntlet. Yes, it is. All right, good man. So you know the rules then. Would you like to take on Andrew Marsh, Jamie Rivers, or myself today?
5: Uh, let's go with Marshy. Okay,
4: okay. Marshy's going to get challenged again here. Marshy,
5: I would suggest you go right outside, right there.
6: Right there? Yeah. yeah. That door looks like uh Yeah, we'll let you back in. Don't worry about it. It doesn't open. No, it and opens. That's that's- it opens. Okay. You'll be fine. Why don't I just. Well, how about I go in there You just give me a knock? Okay. All right what you want, Marsh. Just do
3: what
5: you want. Marsh, right. you Marsh want. He wants to go into the locker room. Yeah, he does. Well, that looks kind of sketchy. More sketchy than, All right. oh, you know what? Hey, Hanging Marsh, out we're inside doing... the men's locker room. Marsh, you
4: know why don't you just hang out here? We're trying to do a show. We're trying to do the gauntlet. Why don't you you, you, you make a decision, but just take your sweet time with it, okay? Unbelievable. He's mad because Jim, a... go ahead and tell Grant to spin the wheel, please. All right,
8: spin that wheel, Grant. <laughs>
7: Attitude. Attitude. <laughs> right up next to the mic, guys.
4: Okay. Yeah. Attitude—that's for sure. All right, Grant, you're gonna to have to let us know what the wheel spun. I think I right. We're told us, but we were
3: yeah, no, uh you got hockey today, Jim. Oh, of course I got hockey. All right, well, I'm ready. Let's do it,
4: Jim. i, I could tell by your uh your response you—you weren't expecting or wanting hockey.
3: Well,
6: that was the one I didn't want, but hey, you get what you get. So that, at least I don't right. have to take on Jamie in hockey.
4: Very true. But
5: well, Marshy, uh, he's been a willing combatant here lately.
4: Yeah, that's right. All right, so Jim, you get uh, four questions. Obviously, Marsh gets the same four questions. And uh, if you need the options, of course, you uh, you can ask for them, and those questions are worth one point as opposed to two. You ready? Yep, let's do it. All right, how many assists has Jordan Bennington recorded this season? How many assists has Jordan Bennington Recorded this season.
8: Uh, I'm going to go have to take the options there. Two,
4: three, or four? Uh, I'll say
5: two. Final answer?
6: Yeah, final answer.
5: All right, Jim. Question two. The Blues scored a season-high three power play goals in a single game against which team this season? Yeah, we're going to have to do the options again. All right. Was it? The Minnesota Wild, Columbus Blue Jackets, or Florida Panthers?
6: Well, I guess I'll go with the Blue Jackets, final answer.
4: All right. Question number three, Jim. The Blues have four shutouts this season. Who was the first team they shut out 2-0 back in October?
8: Shut out 2-0 back in October.
4: Yeah, well, let's do the options one more time. (laughs) All right, let's keep it consistent. Uh, Was it the Nashville Predators, the Edmonton Oilers, or the Minnesota Wilds? Um,
5: I'll go with uh, the Predators.
4: Final answer? Final answer.
5: All right, Jim, question four, final one of the day. Which NHL team has the best overall face-off win percentage this season, at fifty-four point five percent,
6: face-off percent percentage win. 50. Um, let's see the options
5: again. Yeah, these are hard, man. <laughs> I wouldn't even know this stuff. All right, is it the Dallas Stars, the Toronto Maple Leafs, or the Boston Bruins?
8: Uh, Boston's the best team in the league, so let's go with them.
5: That Final answer. Know. All right, Anthony. I will go uh, into the men's locker room
4: here and, <laughs> and find Marsh. Marsh. Okay, sounds good. Uh, all right. So as uh, Jamie makes his way into the men's locker room here at the Missouri Athletic Club, uh, just a reminder: we're here for the College Basketball Writers Association Awards. Uh, Shaka Smart just walked in. He, he's uh, taking home the Henry Iba Men's Basketball Player Men, Men's Be- Basketball Coach of the Year uh, for his work at uh, Marquette. So looking forward to talking to Shaka Smart here in a little oh, bit. But you said Marsh
6: is taking home the uh no men's marsh, basketball you, coach of the year no and do you know your record this uh, year my record in, in college in, basketball uh yeah uh zero wins anthony okay all right so mm-hmm. i so no you're not winning the
4: okay. henry iba mm-hmm. men's college basketball coach of the year mm. all right marsh you ready i'm ready to go jamie tell
5: him oh you better pack a lunch buddy mm.
4: your category today is hockey oh okay all right all right uh jim didn't like what the wind the uh the wheel spun for him so okay how many assists has Jordan Bennington recorded this
6: season? Assist? Oh, geez. Helpers, they call them. Um, let's use the options. Two, three, or four. Um man, four is a lot for a goaltender. But four has been my number whenever I need to guess. Four is my lucky number. But man, that is a high number for a goalie what was it two three or four that's correct i'm gonna go with two final answer
5: all right marshy question two the blues scored a season high three power play goals in a single game against which team this season hmm Wow, three
6: power play goals in one game? I know, unheard of. Yeah, it was just one. That uh, uh. would be crazy. Um, wow. Let's, uh, let's use the options.
5: Hopefully that helps. Was it the Minnesota Wild, the Columbus Blue Jackets, or the Florida Panthers?
7: Mm.
6: Okay. The Florida... The Blue Jackets. I feel like they. I feel like they smoked the Blue Jackets, but I feel like they shot may clock. have. Well, uh, not in this building, Jamie. I don't see a shot clock. It's right above the. Rim. Well, it's yep. not working. Um, let's do. I I think uh, I think maybe they scored three. Um, when they beat the Panthers, oh, was Florida Panthers. Final answer. Question number three, Marsh. The Blues have
4: four shutouts this season. Who was the first team they shut out 2-0 back in October?
6: Oh, goodness gracious. 2-0. I'm
4: need the options. Nashville Predators, Edmonton Oilers,
6: Minnesota Wilds. It was the Edmonton Oilers. They uh, defeated them and then they proceeded to I believe go on an eight game losing streak, <laughs> if I'm yeah. not mistaken. Wow,
5: Marching, a lot of negativity.
6: Yeah. So Edmonton Oilers final answer. Not the- no, I'm just I'm just Dirt. providing
5: context. Yeah, well you sure did. I didn't like it one bit. Nope. Question number four. This one's easy. Which <laughs> NHL team has the best overall face off win percentage this season at fifty four point five percent? Wow, Um, Thought you'd get it right away.
6: Yeah, I don't know. The Bruins come to mind. I feel like they have good centers. They're also one of the best teams. Actually, they are the best team in the (laughs) NHL right now. Um, Man. Let's use the options, though, just to be safe.
5: Is it the Dallas Stars, the Toronto Maple Leafs, or the Boston Bruins?
6: Hmm. I feel like it could be the Stars, too. But, man, you don't win 60-plus games in a year without winning some face-offs along the way. Let's go with the Boston Bruins, final answer. All right, let's go over these. Jim versus
4: Marsh. How many assists has Jordan Biddington recorded this season? Jim, you took the options. You went with two. Marsh, you took the options. You went with two. Correct answer is... It's, in fact, two. It's two. So nice job to Jim and Marsh. We have a 1-1 tie. The Blues scored a season-high three power play goals in a single game against which team this season? Jim took the options. You went with the Blue Jackets. Marsh, you went with the options. You took the Panthers. Correct answer is?
5: Well, oddly enough, it was the Minnesota Wild.
4: Minnesota Wild. So we still have a 1-1 tie. Which NHL team has the best overall face-off win percentage this season at 54.5 percent? You guys both took the options. You both wound up with the Boston Bruins using logic that they're the best team known to man. Correct answer is
5: Marshy, the Dallas Stars. Mm The Dallas Stars. (laughs) You even talked about them for a second. We saw
4: a 1-1 tie between Jim and Marsh comes down to this. The Blues have four shutouts this season. Who was the first team they shut out 2-0 back in October? Jim, you went with the Nashville Predators. Marsh, you went with the Edmonton Oilers. Jim.
3: You yeah, have got chosen him.
4: poorly.
7: You lose today. <laughs>
4: Jim, you felt it right away. When that wheel spun hockey, you knew. You knew it was gonna be rough. You knew it was gonna be I a rough one. You got me today. on that
3: Oilers one. I knew yeah. that
8: was the one.
4: Uh, so anyway,
8: Jim, I love the show, guys. Thanks for having me on. It's been fun.
4: Jim, thank you for so much for listening. Thank you for playing today. All right.
0: All right have a great All day, right. Jim. Take care. Yep, That's, you too.
4: That's Jim. Nice job there, Marsh. You won the gauntlet. Today. That was close, two, two to one. Those that, are
5: tough questions. That was cl- they are. You know what? Grant's so, going with a deep dive for some yeah, of these questions. Yeah,
4: Grant's doing a great job. He's doing a despite great job. Jamie trying to fire him on multiple. I locations. have fired him, and he
5: just keeps mm-hmm. coming back. But yep. you know, I so, like that determination.
6: Jamie, when you used to do the, the the hockey trivia before we switched to Gauntlet 2.0, you would always say that you did not like statistic questions. Oh, I hate them. And I am along the same lines. They're After the, hearing all four of those, I had like I had no idea. That's a t- that was tough. One. Yeah, yeah. The I t- mean, tough. you really got to go in the memory bank to to figure out some of those. Yep. Very true. I would agree.
4: Again, we're at the Missouri Athletic Club for the Men's uh, and Women's College Basketball Writers Association Awards. I know that Shaka Smart is here, head coach from Marquette. He's got he's going to win the Henry Iba Coach of the Year Award. So I think we're going to have an opportunity to talk to Shaka Smart here in a little bit. Uh, but we will uh, continue to give you updates on the Cardinals. In fact, we have a big update coming up next on 101 ESPN.
3: We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. <laughs>
4: It's the Fast lane on 101 ESPN with former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stalter, and we are uh, th- thrilled to be joined by Shaka Smart. The Henry Iba Coach of the Year Award uh, is going to the head coach of Marquette, and Coach Smart joins us right now. Shaka, how are you doing today? I'm great. Thank you, guys, for having me. It's uh, it's our pleasure to have you. So I I think the biggest question that you're probably getting a lot is uh, is Aaron Rodgers returning to (laughs) the Packers? Since you're up in Milwaukee, I'm sure you're getting that a lot.
10: Well, that was about a month ago. That was definitely uh, the hot topic. But I know. I guess he's gone, so most people are just kind of waiting for what's next.
4: I, I, it's amazing. I'm sure you, you, you know, get the vibe that's you know, with the Brewers and the Packers and everything going on being in Marquette.
10: Well, if, you, if you're not a Packers fan in that area, then there's something wrong with you. I'm not a huge football guy, especially pro football. I like college football more, but uh, I, I certainly am happy when the Packers win because everyone else is in a better mood. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> who's, who's your college football team? I just like following them all. I worked at Clemson. Um, you know, I played at a Division three school, so I had no experience with big-time college football. So when I got to Clemson and went to those games, I was like, wow, this is awesome. That would be remarkable. Worked at Florida and then worked at Texas, so I have some of the, the biggest college football programs covered with where I've been. But I just enjoy following the stories and the teams. Uh, Jamie and I were talking about the run that Mizzou had because Mizzou is the
4: closest uh, Illinois we cover a little Illinois but it's mostly Mizzou and Dennis Gates did a tremendous job in his first year and uh, Jamie and I were found it remarkable that Dennis Gates would go out to uh, when he was at Florida State coaching uh, with uh, Coach Hamilton that he would go out and see Jimbo Fisher and see how he coached and You know, see how, whether it's men's or women's soccer teams, just how they coach. What influences have you kind of uh,
10: had throughout your coaching career? Well, I mean, there's so much to learn from different sports. Uh, We actually scrimmaged D. Gates in Missouri way back before the season started, so I'm really familiar with their team. He's done a heck of a job. Um, I'll tell you what, a guy I've never met, is a big influence on me, and I'm probably a polar opposite from him in terms of my style, is Nick Saban. Okay. I watched all his press conferences. I follow a ton of stuff uh, that they do, and I love the way that he's able to get his guys focused on the process amidst all the different chaos of, uh, of that level of football. So that's one guy that I follow. But uh, Mike Tomlin is another one on the football side sure. that I, I, I really respect and admire just the way he go, goes about things. So, Coach, you're talking about Nick Saban and you're talking about the way he approaches things
5: and, and whatnot. For you as a college basketball head coach right now, specifically college, what challenges are there right now with you know the transfer portal, the NIL money, all these things that are coming into to play now? I feel like it's muddied the waters a little bit from that good old like amateur basketball, young student-athlete uh, type of thing.
10: Yeah, the traditional model of amateurism in college sports has definitely been threatened. Um, You know, I think the biggest challenge is all the things that go into winning have not changed. You know, just like in hockey, the same things 20 years ago that affected the outcomes of games still hold true today. But, you know, some of the stuff around the game have changed. Some of the stuff that, you know, families and kids might feel is more important now have changed. You mentioned the transfer portal and NIL. I think the biggest thing is us continuing to strengthen our relationships with guys to help them understand keeping the main thing the main thing when they get to college, which I'm a traditionalist, but it's still becoming the best version of yourself, getting a college degree and winning uh, so that you can put yourself in position to create uh, the best opportunity for yourself after college.
4: Coach Shaka Smart is joining us right now. He won the Henry Iba Award for the Men's College Coach of the Year for uh, his, his outstanding work at uh, Marquette this year, and congratulations, Coach. I don't know if we had said that before. Um, but building off of what Jamie asked you, do you find it difficult sometimes? As a coach? You, you love it, and you had mentioned before we got on that that you love kind of the recruiting process and the fact that it's year-round. Year do you find it difficult sometimes to not adjust to the trends that you're seeing in college basketball uh, when they're right in front of you and maybe get away from like you had said the ways to win games are still the way ways to win games now as they were you know 10 years ago
10: i think the biggest key is to you know play to your advantages and understand what you do best and what your strengths are as a basketball program relative to other people so actually for us last year at this time we chose not to take any Division One transfers. There was 1,800 kids in the transfer portal, but for us, we felt like we had eight returning players that we, we felt like we could develop and get better. We had three incoming freshmen that we thought that, that, that could contribute to our team, and we didn't want to prioritize a transfer over those guys. Uh, it was a roll of the dice, but those guys got better, and that's what helped us you know, win the Big East and have a really good season.
5: So you've been coaching for a, a long time, and. Um, Everything changes. There's always an evolution in every sport. And, and as a coach, you have to recognize some of the trends and the changes. And uh, you have to adapt as well. For you with young student athletes now with the way the world has changed, information, the way it's provided to these guys, the video that's available and all the technology behind it, the training, what's something for you over the last couple of years where you have had to evolve or change within your coaching style to get better results from your athletes?
10: I think one thing, Jamie, is uh, making sure that the guys have more input um, than maybe 20 years ago, um, you know, when, when when we all played, because, you know, back then it was a little bit more of, you know, my way or the highway from the coach, uh, but I do think with today's players, if, first of all, they're very, very smart, so their input can can help me as a coach, but if we go do something on the floor and it actually was their idea, they're going to they're buy into it more. Um, so I think one of the challenges in coaching, one of the opportunities in coaching is, is getting the guys to come up with ideas that you actually agree with as a coach or that will be good for your team and then going with those.
4: Uh, Coach, I know that uh, you've got other interviews and stuff to do, and we don't, wanna, we don't want to uh, ma- monopolize your time. I got
10: one question for Jamie because I, I, I'm a big hockey guy. There you <laughs> go. Oh, Perfect. I don't All get right. a chance to Yeah. To we'll, like this. We'll, we'll let you have the last question. Yeah, Anthony, okay. be quiet, okay? <laughs> so, <laughs> so I grew up uh, in Madison, Wisconsin, and uh, my uncle Bruce used to take me to University of Wisconsin hockey games, um, and, and I loved it uh, just as a young kid. And I never played organized hockey, but we used to play like pickup hockey. I'm from Wisconsin. It's cold. It freezes over. And uh, so, who is the top three players of all time? Everybody <laughs> says Gretzky. Okay. Yeah. But so, okay. After that, who who are the best players? Okay.
5: So we're eliminating Gretzky for his category all by himself, right? It's kind of like what we do with Tom, Tom Brady. Brady. We're like, okay, Tom Brady. We're not, yeah. Okay. Uh, well I have had the good fortune of playing against a lot of those guys. I played with and against Wayne Gretzky. He was amazing. I'd have to say playing against Mario Lemieux he was uh, I mean he was incredible. He was a huge man, six foot four could skate like a smaller guy controlled the puck. He was a nightmare to play against. Um, so he was one of the guys for sure. I think that if we're talking current times, you have to go Connor Mcdavid. He's doing things right now that we haven't seen um, in a long time as far as the point totals that he's putting up there and just the sheer speed that he plays the game at and the way he's able to control the outcomes of games is incredible. And then I'm going to have to go with a guy named Nick Lidstrom. We're going to go off the board here a little bit and go defenseman. Played against him a ton when he was with the Red Wings and I was with the Blues, and then I was able to be his teammate in Detroit and I got to see on a daily basis just how amazing this guy was as a player, how dominant he was as a defenseman. In an era of a lot of physicality, mm-hmm. Nick Lidstrom didn't have to be physical. He outsmarted guys. He stole the puck from guys. He knocked pucks down out of the air. His vision of the ice was incredible. The way he could control the power play was phenomenal. So for me, that's my you know, gold, silver, bronze. If we created a podium, those would be my three guys.
10: And what's the number one intangible trait that goes into being great in hockey?
5: Well, for me, it's competitiveness. I think you always have to be competing, and that doesn't mean you have to be a physical guy all the time. It means you have to be competing to win puck battles, to be smart, to get to an area before the opposition gets there, to take away an opportunity, or to create one for yourself or your teammates. So competitiveness, and I do feel like hockey IQ IQ overall, knowing the sport, learning the sport, to your point, you know, having the kids buy in, you're actually challenging them to think the game and to think like a coach while they're playing. And that's one thing I can tell you about myself. Having coached now for many years following my career, I wish I could go back and play. I would be a much better version of myself on the ice because of the things I've learned, the things I recognize, the stuff that I know has to happen within a game. I didn't have that knowledge as a player. So if I, if I had a coach like yourself that challenged me to become part of the process, I think that would help me out too.
10: It reminds me of an old saying a friend of mine used to say all the time. He would say, every player should first be a coach, and every assistant coach should first be a head coach, which obviously it doesn't work that way. Yeah. <laughs> but when you have that perspective, uh-huh. it makes you better in, in that area. I, the reason I ask is, this, I always feel like there's a ton of carryover, like you said, competitiveness and IQ. You got that in basketball. You're going to be in pretty good shape. Yeah. So thanks for answering that. No problem. Coach Cruz, who's, My pleasure. Who was your guy growing up in hockey? Well, Tony Granato. You yeah. know, Just, yeah, yeah. just because, uh, like I said, I grew up going to Badger games. Sure. Uh, and and his whole family was a big time yeah, hockey royalty family up there. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> they are. You know, for me, it was it was just revelatory watching those guys because I, I didn't really have any background in hockey other than going to those games. But the combination of grace and, and body control but also power was was pretty cool. So, I, <laughs> I, you know, I, I'm ashamed to say it. I've never been to an NHL game. I've been to all these ho- uh, college hockey games. But I, I – I'd love to go to NHL games, so I need to get down. Yeah, get, get to one for sure. You
5: get back to St. Louis, you let me know. We'll get you some tickets and get you down to the game and, and have some fun. I would love to. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Co- coach, no thank problem. you so thank much. You very Enjoy much. Enjoy your night. Congratulations. Yeah,
4: congratulations again. That's Coach Chaka Smart, uh, the the uh, head basketball coach of the year, the Henry Award winner. And we'll talk to more uh, coaches and players throughout the course of the night here for the Missouri Athletic uh, Club the College Basketball Awards. But our our, our appreciation to Coach Chaka Smart is. Uh, he, he accepts the Henry Ivey Award. Good stuff. I did. That's that's awesome, man. He's t- talking about hockey, and there's so much crossover when it comes to sports and and players and how they compete and certain. We th- you don't think there's a lot? There's certainly a crossover in basketball and hockey. Yeah. But like Coach Smart said, man, it's awesome.
5: I got a little nervous there when he says I have a question for you. I was yeah. like, Oh boy. Uh oh. I was What's like, this gonna be? Coach is asking me a question. <laughs> I'm a
10: little
4: nervous. He was great. He was fantastic. Uh, I think I think Mike Bray is here as well. So we'll get a chance to talk to Mike Bray and uh, some other players and some some uh, coaches throughout the course. I Bill Walton's doing an interview right now, so maybe we'll get a chance to talk to him as well. For Jamie Rivers and Anthony Stalter, uh, and Andrew Marsh, we're gonna update you on the Cardinals. And also continue our interviews here with the uh, men and women for the men's college basketball awards next in Fastlane on 101 ESPN.
3: We're right back to the Fastlane podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
4: It's a fast lane on 101 ESPN with Jamie Rivers, former Blues defenseman. I'm Anthony Stalter, and in a second here, we're going to talk to uh, Notre Dame head coach or former Notre Dame head coach Mike Brav, who's going to take home the Good Guy Award tonight at the College Basketball I know why I won that Association. One. Absolutely. I mean, we we're just chatting with him; he's fantastic. So, uh, coach is chatting with uh, the man that we just spoke to, Shaka Smart, who is winning, who's going to win the Henry Iba Award uh, for the men's. Coach of the Year. Just an update on your Redbirds. They're up 7-4 now on the Rockies. It was tied 4-4, and the Cardinals have since added on some runs. I know that Nolan Gorman. We've been, ch- we've been talking with Stormin, people. Storm with Gorman. Storman Norman Gorman. <laughs> <laughs> Nolan Gorman with a two-run home run at one point, and the Cardinals have uh, added on an insurance run with Paul Goldschmidt doubling to left, scoring Jordan Walker, who extended – his hit streak now to 12 games. Walker scored on that one, so it's again it's seven four Cardinals up on the Rockies in uh, in Denver. So as soon as that one's over, we'll mix in some conversations here about uh, the the Cardinals and also chat with Mike Bray, who's joining us right now. So Mike Bray's gonna he's gonna take home the good guy award tonight at the Missouri Athletic Club. And uh, coach, we we were having so much fun chatting with you off air. We'll just bring it right on yeah. air. But congratulations for you know, not only the good guy word, but all the success that you had at Notre Dame, and you, you, you've chosen to, you know, resign now at, at Notre Dame. And we're t- talking with you about some other opportunities you might have. We don't want to present those <laughs> if you haven't discussed them yet, but. Uh, Again, congratulations. It's a, it's an honor for us to to meet you.
2: Well, it's good to be with you. I'm I'm wondering, the good guy award, does that mean they never <laughs> caught me cheating? That's exactly that, that, what that means. That's exactly means. what yeah. I think it I is. I like how you
4: phrased that, too. Yeah. They
2: didn't they didn't catch they didn't me. Catch me. Yeah. They didn't catch me. <laughs> Remember in Stripes when Bill Murray goes convicted? Yeah. Yeah, know, yeah. <laughs> by the
5: way, incredible movie. Have you ever yeah. seen great, Stripes? Great yeah, oh, movie. Goodness. Army no. training, sir. <laughs>
2: great movie. Now, good to be with you guys in, in St. Louis. Good to be in St. Louis. Bill Walton and Shock. I see Matt Painter and uh, all buddies and coaching. But you know, I had I you know I had uh, 28 years as a head coach, five at Delaware, 23 at Notre Dame. 23 co- years in basketball coaching at Notre Dame means six football coaches. <laughs> <laughs> so,
5: coach, let's let's go right there because yep. obviously Notre Dame. It, I mean, it's I mean, what do you, what what can you say about the University of Notre Dame? I mean, it's just an amazing institution.
2: How was that, coaching for the Fighting Irish? You know, I, I have been still blown away after 23 years, the power of the place and the brand and how it's, with it next to my name for 23 years, how it's connected me and helped me, and I have been... I've just been blessed. And, um, you know, you, you run into Notre Dame people everywhere, as we know. And, and it, it, there's no middle ground with Notre Dame. Either you hate them or you love them. <laughs> yeah. and, and like we say, though, we turn TVs on. There's one thing we do. The Irish turn TVs on either to be root against or root for them. But uh, love it. I just felt, you know, and we didn't have a very good year this year. But I was thinking the last couple of years, we're getting to a point where I think I need to do something different, and Notre Dame needs a new voice. We got Micah Shrewsbury from Penn State, the AD, and I. That was the guy we we, we focused in on, and I'm thrilled. I think the program's in great hands, but sometimes you you got to be self-aware and know it. It's time to change gears for everybody.
4: Well, Coach, I want to I want to ask you about that because I, I think I think it was. It was Tony La Russa, or maybe he subscribed to the theory of, you know, about 10 years, and then your voice starts to maybe get drowned out a little bit. Um, for you, when, was there a certain moment that you knew it?
2: Yeah, you know, it was funny. I was uh, coming on the court the day after Thanksgiving, What is that Black Friday, against St. Bonaventure. Uh, we, did, we did Thanksgiving in the Long Island Marriott, and I love my team and I love oh my, my group. Goodness, and I was Long like, Island Marriott. Long Island, Mary, you spent <laughs> oh a lot of time God. there. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, I'm thinking to myself, you know, I, I may want to be. I've got three beautiful grandchildren. I may want to do a little. What am I? Do? I'm not sure about this. And actually thought about it a little bit coming back from San Diego, the NSA tournament. We had a good run last year. We won two games. And I'm thinking now would be the time. But we had seniors. It just was, you know, you. You there's there, there's a shelf life yeah. um, for both parties and and I just felt I went into my d around Christmas so I said this is where I'm at and we may need to do this before the end of the season so you can get to work a little bit and get some leg and 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 we end all the speculation and what's yeah. gonna happen and they're not you know is he really coming back and and hey man all, all good so I, you know, feel good. I've, I've left Notre Dame on a good note and they're in good hands and kind of excited about exploring some opportunities. Would it be in the NBA coaching a little bit? That's intriguing. Do you do some TV, um, you know, and, and cover some games? And, and uh, you know, so it, it, it's it had. I had an Easter Sunday the other day where I wasn't on my cell phone recruiting. <laughs> yeah,
7: sure. and,
2: and and you know I you know it was kind of nice to, yeah. to breathe a little bit. And uh, uh, so it, I'm I'm excited to see where it goes, and we'll just kind of play it by ear here and see what happens.
4: You know, Coach, you you, you mentioned the the NBA, and of course now with the transfer portal <laughs> and all that. I mean. You you haven't had you've you've had the the you've had great teams at Notre Dame a couple of eight elite uh, eight runs uh, you know and then you then you have to shuffle in more players yeah. You're talking about recruit, recruiting is that one aspect of the NBA that might attract you just having that stability with players
2: you know uh, just thinking about it and watching it and talking to some of the guys in the league through the years that it's all basketball for the most part and I'm not worrying about admissions or academics with guys and believe me I loved it and it was great and you were ju- you're just kind of doing hoops I I it, it it moves me and really the game watching it now since you know uh, the playoffs have started really the last month since my season ended at Notre Dame and I left I've not really had a chance to concentrate on the NBA because you're so focused on college game during the season yeah no. and and you're learning because in, in I never I don't think I learned a lot as a college coach the last 10 or 15 years because you just were, you never had professional development. You're just on the, tra- here we go, next thing, next thing. Yeah. And uh, you're kind of watching the NBA and go, man, that's okay, 24 seconds. And, you know, legal defense and, and, and this and the longer game, eight minutes longer. Um, it, it's been kind of cool to, to educate myself a little bit. So uh, certainly the playoffs are an exciting time.
5: Coach, we always talk about the the sports side of it, or a lot of us talk about the sports side of it, and the successes and the failures of winning and losing, but how difficult is it for you as a coach, especially in a program like Notre Dame, where the academic side of it is so important, how hard is that on you? Because you're not just a basketball coach, you have to make sure that the students are attending classes, the grades are good, that they're eligible. There's a lot of different things that come into it.
2: No, you know, the one thing about coaching there, I mean, our, our pool to pick from, from the high school pool, is always smaller because not everyone's a great fit admissions-wise. And so, you know, you really have to be good at your shorter list. Um, it is, you know, I, I, like I tell kids, I don't tell any, I mean, school's hard, man. You know, this school is hard. Now, the kids we get that start reaching to us in the midst of the recruiting process, they know what the Notre Dame degree can do when it's all said and done. So I think we get a pretty motivated, but it does take its toll on them. By the time I get them at four o'clock, sometimes they're a little spaced out yeah. when they've been in the Mendoza business school. I had six guys getting <laughs> master's degrees this year. I had That's six excellent. guys in graduate. And, you know, sometimes I got them and they were zombies. And I understand, yeah. you know, but uh That's part of it. You're right. Eligibility. Can we keep guys, you know, we had a rule until this year. And here's where the pressure was. We had semester to semester eligibility. So, in other words, I could have a senior with a 3.5 GPA Q. All of a sudden, his girlfriend breaks up with him, whatever, and he gets a 1.9 in the fall semester. He's out. Oh, wow. Also
5: with semester to semester. Semester.
2: Wow. And we just change that to get a little bit more uh, student athlete, student, student friendly but exam week in December, I was always sweating because yeah. if some guys, go, it doesn't matter what their cue was, it doesn't matter you know, if they go under a two zero and my academic guy and I, you know, we'd start drinking as soon as we got the final <laughs> grade. Hey, we may have lost three in a row, but if we had everybody eligible, we're drinking. are good,
5: yeah. <laughs> That's awesome.
2: Uh,
4: last thing for Coach Mike Gray, we won the Good Guy Award for the Missouri Athletic uh, uh, Men's and Women's College Basketball Writers Association Awards. And Coach, we talked to you the entire time, but we know uh, other people want a, a ch- chance to chat with you. I got to ask you, you brought up the football, the football coaches, and obviously he's at LSU now. But I had an opportunity to watch Brian Kelly back when he was coaching at Grand Valley State. Oh yeah, my buddy went there and he's like, "You got to check out this offense." I'm like, "Why isn't he coaching at you know?" <laughs> of course, he goes to C- Cincinnati, then my alma mater, uh, Central Michigan. He's there for a year. Winds up at Notre Dame for a stretch. Is he as intense? Yeah. Off the field as he is on the field? No,
2: he's not. He okay. he's really. He's a dude you can go hit some uh, hit some golf balls and drink some beers with. Okay, he, he's really good, and you're a Chippewa. I love it yeah, up there, right? Yeah. Oh, Every, you just made it! <laughs> I day. made it! Oh day, my right? God, Dan Roundfield, right? Yeah. There Dan you Ra- go. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. calling him out now. Thund- Thunder Dan Marley. Thunder Dan Marley. <laughs> oh <wow>. <laughs> <laughs> they had it going. But how the hell did they get them? By the way, I don't even want <laughs> to know. I don't even. Wanna... I had a class. Don't ask you questions. You want the answers? You remember to.
4: Chris Kamen, right? Oh yeah. So Chris Kamen, I had a I had a math class with him and. Uh, I think I could say this now statue of Savage. I'm like I hope this kid can play basketball because he's not.
2: Yeah.
7: And
4: I I wasn't the smartest uh, you know. I'm on the radio now for a reason, right? But <laughs> well, I hope he can play basketball. He want to be in Chris Kamen.
2: Meanwhile, so. he got 10 years in the NBA. He so did exactly he's, he's doing at all good of us. exactly. He, he's another yeah. great story, but they they've had a no everywhere Brian went. He, he's a great CEO. He really is a great CEO. And he did the job for us at Notre Dame. You know, whether you love him or, you know, our fans were, uh, they felt they were left at the altar a little bit. You know, our people got a little bit. Sure. They can be a little arrogant now. Yeah. You know, there's no question. My God, I mean, the money he made and to go to LSU, and he, he hit it right away. But, uh, um, you know, but but a dude you could drink a beer with and hang out. Very cool, <laughs>
4: coach. Enjoy the night. Thanks, Congratulations! It's absolute pleasure to chat with you. Thank, Thank you, guys. You so much. Take care. That's Mike Bray. He, uh, he he. I can't wait to see what he does coming up next. Whether it's in the NBA or uh, TV or radio, if you you always get a spot here, coach. By the way, so. There you go. So that's Coach well, Mike I could definitely, uh, I could yeah,
5: definitely I could definitely see, see him having um, easy success doing TV. No doubt. Very well-spoken, a great, great dude. And the good guy at Ward, Anthony, I mean, it's a no-brainer. Yeah. I could sit and talk to him for hours. He's fantastic. And he likes to have the odd beer and maybe probably a bourbon. Yeah, that's probably. my guy. No doubt. I mean, he sat it's right too down. Too bad he's like, not an he... ordainer. I'd be a fighting Irish fan. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. All
4: right, that's Jamie Rivers and Anthony Stalter. Uh, update on the Cardinals and likely some more interviews coming up next on 101 ESPN.
3: Podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
4: Fastlane on 101 ESPN. The Cardinals get a win today against the Rockies, 7-4. to So we'll, we'll talk a little uh, baseball. But we are absolutely fired up to be joined by Tanaya Latson, who won the Tamika Catchings Award for the Women's Freshman of the Year uh, for a great season at Florida State with Jamie Rivers and Anthony Salter. Uh, Taniya, it's a pleasure to meet you. Congratulations.
0: Thank you so much. Thanks for having me.
4: Now, you you had mentioned that you're, you're actually from Missouri. You're from Kansas City. Are you a mm-hmm. big Chiefs fan?
0: Um, I used to be when I was in elementary, but now it's the Dolphins. Oh, really? <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> you went
4: from the Chiefs to the Dolphins. I know, I know, I know. Oh. We're not the best, but that's <laughs> the
0: home team. So. They, had a,
4: they had a decent season. How are yeah. you? How are you enjoying Florida?
0: Um, I love Florida. Yeah, um, that's home. Like I said, um, most of my family lives there. So, yeah.
4: What was the What was the thing that you found to be kind of surprising about college basketball? You know, going from High school and, the, and it's obviously it's a big jump uh, to play in the NCAA. What, what did you what did you find to be the most surprising aspect?
0: Um, just defense. Defense was like one of my hardest struggles this year. And just like transitioning from high school to college was just like a whoo. So, um, you know, just learning the defense and learning different offenses and what the coaches want. I feel like that was like the hardest transition, especially over the summer. But um, just taking things day by day just really helped.
5: So we were talking a, a little bit about this before we got on the air. We talked about the national championship, and we talked about some of the fireworks with the girls uh, leading up to or to fu- finish that off. For you, um, you know, you didn't think it was a big deal, but I think it was great mm-hmm. that there was so much attention drawn to the girls' basketball tournament because, to your point, you coming in, you're playing against these older girls, they're intense, they're competitive, right, right, they get after it, right. and so... You know to, to have some of the, the the antics or the talking going back and forth mm-hmm. I mean I thought that was a great thing
0: me too um, like I said we're competitors and it showed and I mean everybody saw everybody was watching women's basketball so I really feel like it was good for our sport and the culture of the game
4: when when you're watching, you know the the NCAA tournament as well, whether it's the the women's or the men's. What's you know, you're, I imagine you're also a, a, a basketball fan too. Mm-hmm. What what por- what part do you love about again either tournament? Like what what draws you as a fan?
0: The upsets, um, Miami, <laughs> like on the women's side was just really good in Miami in general like they really had a good season boys and girls um,
4: and they have the twins right yeah the, the, the
0: twins the Cavender twins um, so yeah the upsets I mean every game was like nail-biting so yeah. it was really exciting
5: are the, are the twins freshmen too no they're, um no there's they were gonna go maybe go back for a fifth year I believe yeah, they declined and they,
0: they declined it
5: yeah. oh no kidding yeah yeah. Sorry about your luck, Anthony. Well no, I mean
0: <laughs>
4: <laughs> For some reason I thought they were younger. We're chatting with Tania Latson, who uh, will who will win the Women's Freshman of the Year Award at Florida State. So goals, right? And I know that you guys have team goals, I'm sure you have personal goals. Mm-hmm. What what is one thing that you're you're hoping to grow from, uh, going from freshman now to sophomore?
0: Um just to become a better basketball player all around. Um just get my teammates involved, um, develop a three point shot or just more consistency um, you know in building culture and chemistry for the team just to mesh well.
5: Now obviously uh, playing on a team that can one day hopefully compete for a national championship that's got to be at the top of your list Mm -hmm. but as far as continuing to play basketball is the WNBA something
0: you're looking to do or is it maybe uh, the national team or things like that? Um, definitely the WNBA. That's been a dream since I was three years old. So, you know, I'm just aiming for that.
4: That's awesome. Well, tonight we thank you for joining us. Enjoy the night. I, I know it's going to be a lot of fun for you, and I'm sure all the traveling and stuff has been enjoyable too. And welcome back to Missouri. You may have to switch from the Dolphins back to the Chiefs. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe. we'll see. We'll see what Tua can do next year. But uh, again, tonight, congratulations. Thank, so, thank you for so joining much. us. That's tonight, Latson. The, the, the Tamika Catchings Award. Uh, Winner for the Women's Freshman of the Year uh, for a great season at Florida State. More on the Fast Lane next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast.
3: Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
4: Fast lane on 101 ESPN. We're live from the Missouri Athletic Club for the College Basketball Writers Association Awards. Uh, so far, our, our thanks to everybody that stopped by, Coach Mike Gray, Coach Shaka Smart. We just got a chance to talk to tonight. Latson, who won the Women's uh, Freshman of the Year Award at Florida State. So uh, we might get a chance to talk to Bill Walton at some point. Uh, but just a, a quick update, the Cardinals did win today 7-4 to against the Rockies. We'll, of course, have a lot more breakdown uh, on the Cardinals game tomorrow uh, but we are live at the the uh, Writers Association Award for the College Basketball Award, so we uh, will continue to do some interviews. But just a, a kind of a quick recap, just sitting the highlights. We'll start off with actually the pitching aspect because Jack Flaherty went five and a third, five hits allowed, a run, one run allowed, six Ks. Marsh key point, he only walked one.
8: eighty-five
6: yeah, pitches. That was the uh, the main question that we had before. The game started was the over/under on how many walks he would have. I think you said it at five and a half. What did he had? He had one. That he was, was it. one. So yeah, and I actually um,
4: said a four and a half. You guys both jumped on
6: the the over. I said this is gonna yeah. be his best start. It actually flipped. So you know he ended up having more than five and a half strikeouts, and uh, of course only one walk, which is huge. And of course he had that first first pitch home run, jerks pro far, takes him deep. But we kind of had a conversation in between the break he's trying to find that command of his fastball if you're a hitter for colorado you're immediately jumping on a first pitch fastball because yep. he wants to establish the fastball early so i mean you know what are you going to do there uh it was a good pitch Marsh. i thought that was an excellent point it really was you're right it's somebody struggling to find his command
4: you know he's going to be around the strike zone. Yeah. If you're Jerickson Profar, if you're a professional hitter, and Profar has been a while, around a while, and you're right, he was through a first pitch fastball, and he wound up taking him, taking him deep. Yeah, but he settled. Flaherty settled in from there. This was this was his best start. It really wasn't close. I realized he only he you know he didn't have didn't give up a hit or a run in his first start. When when you're walking a career high seven guys, it's it's a mixed bag to say the least. So for Flaherty to come in uh, today. And Red, you know, notch the six K's and only walk around, walk one batter over five and a third. You want to see him pitch deeper in the games now, but I think that efficiency will come. This is Coors Field. Same Coors Field that ate up, you know, the Miles Michaelis last night and Steven Matz the night before. So really good start for Jack Flaherty. A couple of highlights here when it comes to the offense. Paul Goldschmidt, two for four on the day. He doubled to center in the first inning. He also walked. He's seen the ball incredibly well. Doubles to left in the ninth as the Cardinals were looking to tack on more runs, which was key. Nolan Gorman had one hit, but it wound up being the difference maker as he homered to left to score himself, obviously, and Contreras in the eighth, and that was to break a 4-4 tie. So that one was absolutely pivotal. And Jordan Walker, one for four, but he, he carries over his his uh, hit his hit streak now, so congratulations to Jordan Walker. Unfortunately, he had a, an error at one point during the game that led to a run, so not great there. But Cardinals do win seven to four, so big big stuff there. And uh, I think we're gonna have the opportunity here to talk to Bill Walton. So Bill Walton's gonna join us, and uh, he's getting settled in right now. But uh, yeah, oh, yeah, he just. <laughs> yeah, Joey, Joey had to adjust adjust his microphone there. St. Louis ESPN. How you doing, Bill? That's right. You're in St. Louis. I have landed. The spaceship you're, has come
9: down. What a day. What a place. What a time. What an event. Got in late last night. It was beautiful. Long plane ride from California through Denver, but everything was magnificent, and I got off the airplane at the St. Louis airport, and there they were members of the Missouri Athletic Club ready to pick me up. Well, there and, you and go. And they brought me down here, and we're in the gym right now. And, and I was just thinking this whole 24 hours that I've been here. Is a, the whole trip is 48 hours. I, I left at noon yesterday. I'll get home at noon tomorrow. But this first 24 hours, uh, pretty darn special. And, and I've realized realized that if I had had something like this in my life, oh, my gosh, maybe I could have done something. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I grew up playing outside. Yeah. Now I'm from San Diego, still live there to this very day. Sure. And so, it, you know, we, we did have some gyms, but most of the playing was outside. And, and to see the facilities here, we didn't have a swimming pool. But we did have the Pacific Ocean and the... the Training facilities. I was in the pool here this morning and the spa and the showers and this is just absolutely fantastic and the history going around and so much of my life has roots right here in St. Louis. And we go back, first of all, to Lewis and Clark when they came through here and what they did. And now the big arch and the gateway and everything. And on the broadcasting side, you got guys like uh, Bob Costas and Joel Myers and Jack Buck, all great friends of mine. KMOX, which is influential in every aspect of my life. And then on the basketball side, Red Auerbach, who used to coach the Tri-City Hawks just up the river there. And then... Uh, Bob Pettit is an absolute legend, and uh, what he's meant to me in my own personal life as a great friend, mentor, and role model. Lenny Wilkins, who was a huge star here, played eight years for the Hawks, and then the more current guys with uh, in my life, uh, the Maurice Lucases and the Marvin Barnes and the Moses Malone's and the Snapper Jones and, and right here for the for the spirit of St. Louis and and what a time that was, and then. We had a Final Four here, a championship Final Four in college basketball, and I've been here a number of times, and, and Bob Costas keeps me totally tuned in here, <laughs> and it's it's just been fantastic. I did, did a lot of work with Bob, and it, 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 what an incredible talent. And, uh, I, I was a gigantic anchor to his career, but uh, <laughs> he, he, he was quickly a- able to cut the line and, 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 and move away and, and, and get to the top of the mountain. I, I
4: think you guys both did, both did just fine for yourself. What's so. your names, guys? An- uh, Anthony Stalter, Andrew Marsh, and this is uh, Anthony and, and Andrew. Yep, Anthony yeah. and Andrew. A couple of A's. Okay,
9: yeah, so. I'm Bill with two L's. The second one is silent. There we go, yeah, And what a Perfect. great event this is. Are this we on is... live ESPN radio here in yep. St. Louis? Yes, sir.
4: That's right. We're live right now. So are all the
9: people on who are listening out there in ESPN land, are they coming here to this event tonight? Well, mean, a
4: lot of people will be here, certainly, yeah. You're you're, you're, watching, you're seeing a lot of the media members, certainly, here in St. Louis. I'm sure you ch- chatted with a few. But
9: Bill, well, I got to see a lot of guys here, and I just came from uh, Tanaya, the freshman of the year, and her coach, Brooke. And so it was uh, fabulous because Tanaya is, you know, she's got the future on her shoulders. Yes, freshman of the year. And and, and to see and I I was explaining to her that, uh, you know, Yosemite National Park, there's Tanaya Lake and that she's so good. They've already named a lake in Yosemite (laughs) after her. But it's just like her, you know, glistening, shimmering in the light of day, the golden hues and everything and just absolutely spectacular, surrounded by the mountainous peaks of of, uh, Zach Eadie down there and uh, Mike Bray is here. uh, Matt Painter is here and just uh, a a wonderful smart. uh, Yeah. Shaka. Shaka smart. Yeah. I remember that was one of the last times I took my shirt off in public. Not the last time, but uh, (laughs) (laughs) I was uh, calling one of his games when he was coaching Texas. And uh, Kansas came in to play Texas in Austin and, uh, and they, they had me go down there. I didn't know if I needed a passport to go to Texas or not, but I did. I made it to Texas, <laughs> and, and I called the game. And it, during the game, during one of the uh, timeout and commercials, uh, the football coach came over, and he, and they, and he gave me a, a tie-dye T-shirt. And so right just right during the broadcast, I just took my shirt off and then put on the new tie-dye T-shirt. That seems logical. I mean, right. you I was, want it, it was a gift, so. Right, it was – was, being very nice to the football yeah. coach there. And, uh, yeah, and and then later on, they had the clip on Sports Center, and I realized that it, it, it's about time <laughs> I, I stopped taking my shirt off. Fair in enough, yeah. And so what now you- I have a firm rule. I've I, I broken it a couple times. One time I was doing a Conference of Champions games up in Boulder, the launching pad to the universe. And <laughs> and before the game, we were playing ping pong with the coaching staff for the for the Colorado Buffaloes. Yeah, where the Buffalo roam, right? Bill Murray and all that and so here it was that uh, we were playing this ping pong game and I won. And I was so ecstatic. I hit a Forehand smashed, you know, that just nicked the far corner for the game winner, right? And I was just ecstatic. And so I ripped my shirt off, and then they showed that on television that night, and that was the absolute last draw. And I stopped doing that. Just stop
4: doing it in front of the TV cameras, Bill. Right, well,
9: you know, the TV can sometimes the lights all shining on me, and it'll be shining again this this summer. But this event tonight is very special.
4: Bill, what did you think of the NCAA tournament? Fabulous.
9: I just, I love this year's tournament. I love it every year. And we have so many ties. You know, we have six children and 14 grandchildren. And so we have personal ties to schools like Harvard and LSU. Neither one of those made the tournament this year, but we still root for them. And then uh, UCLA did well. And Arizona, they had a tough go. Uh, but also Princeton and San Diego State. And so Princeton, I love Princeton basketball. And and the current coach is a, is a t- was on the team when our son Nate played there. And and they're all very, very close. You know, when you're on a special team, that's one of the things that the young people don't realize. It's just how special and how fun this all is. Absolutely. And, you know, you're you're always thinking, you know, what's what this all about? Who are these people? And what are we doing here? And But this is what you live for. The dream, you know, the, the best of the best coming here tonight and, and, and to be with these coaches, these people who I've known for so long, Matt Painter, Mike Bray, and uh, just getting to know Tanaya and Brooke and and then Zach, who I was with last weekend in Houston at the Final Four. He won the award down there for Player of the Year. And so it was a very nice ceremony. But when you think of what Princeton did to Arizona, now the trash talking going on between Luke Walton and Nate Walton in that game, that <laughs> matchup, and then to have Arizona win and then Arizona win. Princeton going on and just taking down Creighton. Uh, not, not Creighton, no, they Mizzou, took down Missouri. Un- unfortunately, Missouri. Yeah, Missouri played, if they are talking to some Mizzou fans. Right. Still. So if Princeton had played as well against Creighton as they played against Missouri, they would have won that game too. Yep. But Creighton is an excellent team, and uh, Princeton just did not have it. It's one of the biggest challenges for young players is to play great day after day after day. And, you know, th- because when you're young you, and you do play great, you just think, okay, that's just the way it's going to be always. Sure. And it's never that. No, way. it's you not. Know, you've got to find that edge. You got to bring it, and and so uh, then so so Princeton goes down to Creighton, but then San Diego State they beat Alabama, and then they beat Creighton, mm-hmm. and oh my gosh! And we my mom went to San Diego State, our family home growing up as a child. And it was for 69 years that our family had that home. Just recently sold it because my mom passed away 23 days shy of 95 oh, wow. and so but you could see the college from across the valley from where our ha- house was on the hill that's great uh, in San Diego suburban San Diego and uh, so we grew up there and that was all our lives and then our uh, our son Chris he went there and so when San Diego State starts winning we're like going crazy <laughs> and just having such fun and yelling and screaming and then Laurie my wife Uh, Just the greatest everything ever, and the most beautiful girl in the world. We go every year to the Final Four. You know, it's part of my business and job and all the different stuff I do in my life. And but then this year, uh, Chris went with us and his wife Gina because they met in college, and he was the captain of Steve Fisher's first team at San Diego State. and uh, she was the captain of the women's soccer team, and so it was fantastic. And we just had so much fun. And one of the things that we did when we were there at the Final Four was we had we got to participate in the March Madness Music Festival. Okay. And while we were working like crazy all the time and doing all the business stuff that we do, which is my life, uh, there was one night we got to go to the music festival, and that night it was Keith Urban and Tim McGraw. And oh Perfect. my... Gosh. (laughs) Oh my gosh. It it was incredible and I I can't think of anyone who I've ever seen in my life who is more fit and more on top of his health than Tim McGraw. Really? And it was staggering for someone like me who's old and in the way and can't move (laughs) and can't do anything and is just in, in, currently in the shape of a pear. <laughs> and here's this guy, Tim McGraw, just, oh, my. I mean, just doing things on the stage. I mean, <laughs> it's impressive. Mick Jagger would have looked at him and said, oh, my gosh.
4: And Mick Mick's been, uh, yeah. Mick's been doing it for a while. Bill, I know that you, you've got to bounce around, uh, but we can't thank you enough for stopping by. And I want to thank you setting. guys
9: for bringing the dream to the world and the important role that ESPN does and has in this world in terms of showing us the direction to find the bright side of the road, to show us what love can do. And so as we build for a better tomorrow, as we create, as we dream and visualize, and as we hope that everything is going to continue to improve and get better, that we can use an event like tonight to raise the consciousness and the awareness but without you guys at ESPN delivering the message, who would ever know about it? So thanks for our lives, guys. Wow, Bill, <laughs> Bill yeah. with two
4: L's. The second one second is one: is silent. Second silent. one is Exactly, silence. Bill yes. Walden. Bill, thank you so much.
9: I'm the luckiest guy in the world. Here we go. We're going <laughs> to celebrate tonight the player of the year, the freshman of the year, the That's coach right. of the year, the all-time guy in Mike Bray. And then in this gym, this gym that Bill Bradley played in. Now, you guys are not old enough to know who Bill Bradley is, but Bill Bradley, one of the great players in basketball history, more importantly, one of the great human beings. So when I joined the NBA, he grew up in St. Louis, he took his team Princeton to the Final Four, was instrumental in our son going to Princeton. And so and Bill Bradley just instrumental in everything. And so I joined the NBA in 1974, and I have no idea what I'm doing. I don't know how to play in the game of life. Uh, my feet are always broken and nobody can figure out why or how and i can't talk and i can't explain myself i'm a lifelong stutterer so i get to madison square garden for the very first time and i'm a rookie and i'm warming up on the court before the game and bill bradley and phil jackson teammates on this great nick team they come over to me they they walk up unannounced they walk right up to me and say bill i'm bill and this is phil and we're here for you Whatever you need, the rest of your life, we're with you, Bill. Wow. And it was just absolutely incredible and fantastic. And, and I had read the book about Bill Bradley, A Sense of Where You Are, by John McPhee growing up. And I campaigned for Bill Bradley for president in 2000. And just he's just an incredible guy. We still cl- stay in close touch. And he's incredibly active in so many great causes and adventures and... Uh, I'm the luckiest guy in the world. And now I'm here Love in this it. gym, the Missouri athletic club. Yeah. Where dreams become reality, where we come to grow and where the deal goes down. Only, <laughs> on, only on ESPN.
7: Uh, there you go.
4: Yeah. Fantastic. Bill Walden, everybody. Thank you so much. Ah, night. Here we go.
9: <laughs> I found a new launching pad to the universe. There Let's you go. go.
4: <laughs> All right, Bill, have a good rest of your evening. We thank you so much. Uh, it's the fast lane. I want to want ESPN. And, uh, you know, the, the, the positivity marsh, it's uh it hits you right in the face. Well we love coming down here
6: to the MAC. Absolutely. It's always a treat every yes. every single year and uh we get to not only talk to some some great people like Bill himself, but uh, we get to have some fun right here on this basketball yeah, court, Bill Walden, too.
4: Uh, if you're wondering who that uh, that was, I, you know, I don't know what happened, Marsh, but um, I'm happy for <laughs> it. I feel like it. I had, like, an out-of-body yeah, experience Yeah, I, right I, there. I think you
6: just kind of leave your body <laughs> when just, you're talking to Bill Walden. I'm not and even sure if you asked a single question. I didn't. Oh, no, you did. I, you did. Maybe
4: one. I asked him about the NCAA that's tournament, right, and, right. uh, and he ran with it. That so, was great. You know, he was, uh, he was fantastic. So uh, that... Um, That'll almost do it here for us at the Missouri Athletic Club because we, at 5.30, are going to sign off for some Blues Hockey.
3: You've been listening to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.